Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Hey, it's Killian. Join me Sundays from 10 for loads of music, a bit of chat, and my mildly interesting facts of the weekend. It's the Sunday 10 to 2 show with Killian on Cork's Red FM. On that basis, of course, uh, people will be flocking to the beaches, I hope, and flocking to the outdoors and getting themselves some sun, which is great, whether it's in the back garden or whether it's a bit of a travel around our beautiful county. And also yesterday, <clears throat> I began to see photographs of 99s, cones, beautiful ice creams. And uh, I had a conversation with my daughter yesterday as to what, and I see, actually, funnily enough, they were talking about it online as well. What's the difference between an ice cream and an ice lol? Well, here in Cork, the big difference, of course, is an ice cream. Ice cream is a Mr. Whippy. An ice lol would be um, something that you rip the paper off and it's kind of like a, like an orange split or something. You know, that's the big difference there. But your thoughts are welcome on that. What's the difference between an ice cream and an ice lol? But summers abroad are a big ticket item these days because they are talking about those that will be vaccinated, those that won't be vaccinated. Uh, the, whether or not Ireland will sign up and be part of the EU vaccine passport scheme. Like for that, were, if that were to happen and that'll be decided on on an EU level before the end of this month, what will it mean to people who want to travel overseas out of Ireland who have been given a double vaccine or indeed in the coming months, maybe if J&J gets rolled out, they get the single shot Johnson vaccine. So the government really haven't made their mind up on that. And to some extent, uh, Stephen Donnelly has kicked a touch on it. But there's a lot of pressure now from pubs uh, and from traditional pubs uh, to uh, let them open their beer gardens. Now, yesterday, of course, was... Uh, bit of an upset because the independent call it that we're on a knife edge now because of the rise in COVID cases. Mind you, Tony Hulan, in spite of the increase yesterday announced, he's still very upbeat uh, of, you know, the sacrifices that people have been made and have made and where we're at going forward. So you would think that he'd be the first to put the downer on it. But no, not really. But we did have 10 deaths yesterday. Now, a lot of the, those deaths, unfortunately, go back over a number of months, but 617 positive cases. So where did they come from? Well, the Irish Times this morning Morning says it's it's a it's a really lucky bag of positive. Well, it's I mean without wanting to use the word lucky bad, but it's an all sorts mix if you like of places because you're talking about secondary school infections. You were talking about workplace outbreaks, and we heard of the big outbreak yesterday in Kildare, over seventy in the workplace and climbing, childcare facilities. And that's not all. They're talking about households mixing too much, birthday parties that are back, funerals that are too big, wakes that are being held when they shouldn't be. So that's all the different clustering. The Irish Times carried on their front page this morning. But publicans are saying that people are already socialising outdoors, you know, uh, and on that basis, really. Uh, with the great weather ahead and hopefully somebody was saying on the air yesterday that the summer's going to be great that it is now time and safe for people to mix outdoors where there are beer gardens or where there are facilities where pubs can do a lot of their business outdoors um, Stephen Donnelly is also hinting that if uh, if we have too many vaccines will we ever have too many vaccines that we will send them on to uh, poorer nations which is the COVAX plan really a lot of countries have signed up to that but certainly one of the good stories going forward is in the echo this morning and um, where from May 4th there'll be a relaxation even further with regards to nursing home visits so from May 4th four indoor visits per week with two people at each visit from the 4th of May I need to say no more than that uh, the sun this morning goes with uh, a reappearance in court of uh, Joshua Allen on an allegation of a cocaine possession uh, down in East Cork. That's been put back until May ter- 13th, but Sun carried it on their front page today. Uh, and talking about young people, we all 
don't know of um, missing Svetlana Murphy. Um, she was found by uh, police in Northern Ireland yesterday. And that story makes all of the papers today. She's a Blackrock County Louth girl who'd been missing for quite some time. But what interested me is the last couple of days, I know what it is now because I went and asked questions about it. But this sign uh, over the link road and, you know, on the different big boards that we have, uh, you know, the one, they're usually being, they're usually used for stay safe, stay apart to get back together kind of ones. Remember those signs for COVID? Well, there was one up saying Garda CR, CRI alert, silver Hyundai Velocitor 132D and the, and the reg called 112. Forgive me. I mean, I, I don't believe I live under a rock and I'm fairly clued in, but I had no idea what that message is about. And checking with some other people of the past day, a lot of other people had no idea what it was either. It is actually a, a child rescue alert. But even if it was that, it would be CRA, not CRI. But why put down guard a CRI alert? Why not just put down... Uh, have you seen a silver Hyundai Velocitor call 112 instead of Garda CRA alert? Did anybody else get confused? Or was there any person on the planet who couldn't quite follow that? You heard, heard in the news there uh, this morning where um, more than a thousand residential units are going to be constructed down at the Marquee site. Don't know what's going to happen uh, long term with Live of the Marquee. I sincerely hope that Peter Aiken ploughs on because it's been a fantastic run of gigs and we want more of those. So maybe ultimately he'll find a new place to do it. But um, I heard in the news there, Councillor Kieran McCarthy, not very happy with this. While others would say, if you want city living and more people living in city and suburban areas, you got to build up as opposed to out because it's just about space. So what they're talking about down, down there, and I've seen some of the Echo this morning carry a computer-generated image of the proposed Docklands apartments. They always look nice um, in generated images. But what I've always found that you need to worry about is how do they age? How well will they look in five or ten years' time, you know? And Karen McCarthy is saying in The Independent this morning that it is a soulless and windswept development He's not happy about it at all. But we are talking about 1,002 apartments. We're talking about 12 blocks. Um, Some of them would be four stories high. Others, 14 stories high. Um, Survivors of of Besbra and those involved in trying um, to uh, protect the burial site of the babies down there have now implored on board Planola to reject the plans of a developer to put apartments in a creche on the former mother and baby estate. Now, I hope to return to the story on Monday. Um, but I have to say, I was very impressed uh, by David Dodd, who was the barrister who is um, lobbying on behalf and working on behalf of the Cork Survivors and Supporters Alliance. Um, and he is talking at the hearings with regards to on board Planola. He made an incredibly strong point yesterday because it, it, the pushback on this is that the babies are buried with the nuns. And I've said it before, knowing the history of Besbra and many of the nuns down there, right? And knowing what went on down there, as we do, because we've read the books and we've seen the reports and we've heard the testimony. Do you really think, I mean, the nuns, by and large, did not like the girls. And on many occasions, many of the nuns would call the babies the babies of the devil. Do you really think that the nuns living would allow the babies, little misfortunate infants, to be buried with the nuns? I mean... You got to think about that. Um, it it just doesn't make sense to me. Papers also talk today and pick up on our story from yesterday, and this is the Ponzi scheme out of Germany, where like fifteen hundred people in Ireland, many of them from Cork, because one of the companies that started in this business with Germany um, had connections here in Cork. This Wild West German property scheme that we were talking about on air yesterday morning 
uh, an awful lot of people. And apparently it's it's being said now that the central bank had warnings of this German Ponzi scheme back in 2016. Graham Norton compares Twitter uh, to the Wild West. He also says that Twitter now is becoming a no-go area, like a neighbourhood that's become rough and dangerous. He's got a fabulous way with words, doesn't he? And also, this character in Italy makes the Irish star. I don't know whether this ever happened in Ireland, but he was the king of absenteeism. He skipped work for 15 years, and he still got paid. So when they added up his salary, it amounted to half a million Euro. I mean, it's an incredible story. He worked in a hospital, so <laughs> chances are it was the public sector. He might have been caught in the private sector. And then there's a great birthday this morning for Armand Patricia Brabant Quillanen, who celebrates her 100th birthday today uh, down in Kinsale. And the Echo's got a lovely story. Obviously, the photograph taken on a beautiful summer's day. But happy 100th birthday to Armand Patricia today. We say hi to you as we say bye-bye to Les McKeown of the Bay City Rollers. More about that a little later on. I'm going to get to cause now and come back to it. But if you're a roller fan, you're probably in your 50s. You know, it was a thing of the 1970s. But, you know, they paint this happy, clappy life that they had a great time and they enjoyed all sorts of fame. Um, that's a million miles from the actual true truth behind the, the Bay City Rollers. They were, like many bands, completely and utterly ripped off as many bands back in the day were. But yesterday, the news announced that the Bay City Rollers singer Les McKeown died at the age of 65. So I won't do it now. <coughs> I'll, I'll get to the cause now, but I will come back to it a little later on, particularly if you're a Rollers fan. And um, if I'm brave enough, and I mean this sincerely, I mean really and truly brave enough, uh, I'll go out on a Bay City Rollers song this morning and I'll allow you guys to choose... Uh, and you can text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show. I want to come back to maternity visits well, as if we get a chance this morning, that'd be good. But uh, a lot of calls that we didn't get to yesterday. Linda, good morning. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Uh, I was amazed, actually, at the amount of people who were on the air yesterday. And then reams of texts from babies who stopped breathing. And and yeah. you have another one of these stories. Go ahead. He's 10 now. Um, so... Sorry, I'm nervous. Yeah, Don't be nervous because you're just chatting with me and it's just things that happened in your life. I know. Yeah, so you're yeah, fine. He's 10, so when he was like that, when he was born, we came home and a few days later, he just kind of was like stopping breathing and we didn't know what was going on with him so we took him up to the, to the hospital and everything. They didn't know. They hadn't a clue. So and you were listening yesterday when you heard yeah, of the 11... This all started with yeah. an 11-day-old baby in Don's yeah, Bishopstown. Yeah. Just stopped. If if a woman hadn't come along who understood CPR and first aid training, I shudder to think what would happen to that eleven year old, eleven day old. Yeah. So um, we, Kyle was the same, but um, what we like, we did, and they didn't know in the hospital either, and they sent us back home and just said it was like, obviously like you know they don't know and he's fine and he's healthy, and um, so he used to struggle for breathing when we would put him down to lie down on his back. And we kind of, like the other lady as well, is it Elsa, Ella, baby Ella? I used to kind of elevate baby on my chest. Oh, she would sleep propped up, baby on chest. Yeah, Yeah. so I just adapted to basically her, his life and what made him comfortable as well, just like her. Um, So we didn't know, but we went to Cornwall when he was a few weeks old and we went down to a doctor down the village in Cornwall and he told me straight away, he said, your baby has laryngomalacia. 
Laringo Malaysia. Malaysia. What does so that mean it, in layman's terms? It, I know. It's, I can barely even say it. Um, so it's a, a soft mus- muscle in the back of his throat that was causing him, for when we laid him down, he was struggling to breathe. Um, it kind of, it's over his voice box. So he's fine when he was elevated and he wasn't struggling, but when you lay him down, it was very difficult for him to actually breathe. He was finding it very hard. And do you think that, I mean, did anybody chat to you about, or did that doctor say that this could have been a way of maybe reducing the risk of cot death? He didn't say anything. It was really weird because I went in with my worries, obviously, and my my, my conversation with him and telling him about Kyle, and he just straight away just goes, he's got laryngeal in Malaysia. And he just said to us, keep him elevated and even leave him, like, sleep in the in his car seat or his... Right. You know, the, yeah, because he so would he be propped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, and that's what we did. So he... Did he grow out, did he grow out of it? Yeah, so then we kind of started elevating, kind of like put, elevating him, kind of putting him in the cot with pillows so that he wasn't laying down straight. Um, so he was kind of propped up kind of going, you know, kind of... like This is great the, advice for people who are going through yeah, similar... Yeah, yeah so good he, for you. he was kind of like, his, his head was more kind of, and he, you know, he was kind of more not just lying straight down. More like um, 45 we, degrees kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah We gotcha. found that was fantastic um, because like like the lady, I was sleeping as well with him, kind of, I, I was watching him every minute. Do you have monitors and alarms and 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 he alarm mats that Pentley can get? Ten years ago, I had no um, mats. There was, well, they could have been. They could have been worth a fortune, but there's no such thing like there's that. There's all sorts of gadgets um, now, apparently. Yeah, which is fantastic. I would probably buy every single one. Would you? To save my child. Yeah. Would you really? Would. Yeah, no, but I would. I would. Yeah, there's way more out there for them, really, to be honest. And uh, as you say, that corrected the problem. It was no more. He grew out of it. So what the doctor told us was, is it's it's a it's a lazy kind of a muscle that didn't develop um, in in his throat and like that. It's kind of like floppy and it was stopping his airways. Yeah. So he got older. As he got older, he got better. Um, like the other lady that said it there earlier yesterday as well. She he like he kind of grew out of it. So the only thing that we have with him now is when he's sleeping he's like an old man after coming back from the pub with a belly full of beer and the way <laughs> what did you say like an home. old man with a belly full of beer what yeah. what happens to an old man when he comes home with a belly full of beer snoring <laughs> away the whole night <laughs> yeah yeah so that's that's the only thing you could hear him snoring away like an old man well as long as he's so, snoring there's no problem <laughs> oh, perfect yeah yeah but it's, it's it. hard for those ladies and I, I do understand what they went through. I'm going to read out some texts on this but great talking to you. Have a good weekend. Thanks Linda. Thank Cheers. So Beck says well done to all. It could happen to any of us. I really think first aid such as CPR should be taught in schools from a young age. It's so important. I hope baby, mom and dad are all okay. It was an extremely scary thing to happen. That's regarding Megan's original email to me. Anne says great result. Thank God that woman was present to help that little baby. Again this is the story from the car park and Duns and Bishopstown. Hopefully, they will find her to thank her. We're still looking for that person, actually, because Megan wants to say, truly, 
so grateful and thank you. Every birthday, that baby will be a reminder of that wonderful woman who saved her life. Yes, and then subsequent to that, we got other calls from people who'd saved babies' lives because they intervened in public too. An amazing lady who did that. It could have been a very different day if she wasn't there. God bless her. What do you do? Many people, I mean, one of the calls yesterday was turn the baby upside down and give the baby a shake. Just a gentle shake, I hope. Uh, well done, fair play. People are fantastic in times of crisis. The heroine should be acknowledged for this amazing thing and saving that poor baby's life. Well done, an inspiration. CPR is great to know. I did the course and it does save lives. Well done, that lady. First aid should be taught in all schools, says Jason. What did she do to help the baby breathe again? It will be handy to know for any future situation. Um, I covered all of that yesterday, if you don't mind. Well done to that lady. CPR should be made subject in secondary school. Um, Anne says, well done. Thank God she was there. It was meant to be. The act helped save the baby's life. Should be made part of antenatal classes. Lorraine says, I know this only too well with my own boy. Uh, but also, I saved a little baby girl over a year ago. You just kick into action and do what you must. But my God, when the child is safe... The shock afterwards is enough. Well done to that lady. Neve says, well done for being that family's guardian angel. At minimum, we should all know CPR. And more importantly, we need to have it taught to our children. Same thing happened to my baby boy uh, when he was three weeks old. He's heading for 20 now. Uh, the consultant at the time explained that it was a prevented cot death. So thank you, lucky stars. We didn't sleep properly for about a year. We did get a monitoring machine and it gave us peace of mind. And Gemma, just finally, well done. That's so frightening. Thank God the baby's okay. I'm sat here feeding my five-day-old, listening to these stories. There's me not sleeping for the rest of my life now, I'd say. No, I mean, what what you mustn't do is spend your life um, worried or anxious about your small little baby or your newborn baby. Can I, can I say that? Because... You know, I know, I know that there are risks, but you don't want to be creating them either, you know, in your head. This is to be an enjoyable time. You need to be enjoying these times. Uh, this beautiful, this beautiful new gift and this beautiful arrival. We got calls on the way after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850 Red FM. You bet just a free food Friday again today because it is Friday. It's your opportunity to scoop some uh, Oak Fire pizza. So make sure you get on board right now. Text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. We will have three winners again today. Each of you will receive four large pizza vouchers and size. And you can redeem them piping hot and all sit down and have a good pizza party, courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza. And you can pick up pizza this weekend if you're intending on having some from Oak Fire Pizza, Real Wood Fire Pizza, Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street, Gil Abbey Street. And they're doing so well at Oak Fire Pizza that there's a new location coming soon to the East Village in Douglas. Okay, so that'll be another welcome outlet for Oak Fire Pizza. So text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106. But busy morning this morning, phone wise is all phone wise is always. So back we go. John, are you um you were in the city hall yesterday queuing for a jab, was it? No, I was in the City Hall on Wednesday. And Sorry, the, Wayne, my apologies. The text came in yesterday, so the day before. How And how was the experience? Uh, not great. I mean, I joined the queue at 10 past 12 because my appointment was 10 to 1, and I expected that there would be some bit of a queue there. But it was 10 to 2, an hour and 40 minutes later, that I actually walked into one of the vaccination bays. Right. Now there was no there was no opportunity to for a, a person to sit down or anything else. Uh, 
as the fellow says, we get older, we all get developed problems, and uh, some people can't stand for that length of time either. I mean, there was a lady in front of me uh, who was using a, a walking aid, and she was left waiting for quite a while as okay, well. Okay, now that is, that is serious, because when I first heard it, I said, we waited 12 or 13 months for a vaccine, we can wait an hour and a half for a jab. But in fairness, somebody with a walking aid for an hour and 40 minutes, you're saying, standing, is it? Uh, well, she, the walking aid she had, she could sit on it. But uh, despite that, uh, she was still left waiting for quite a while. Now, somebody came along then and took her to the took her into the the, the vaccination centre. But at the same time, she was still left waiting. Yeah, and yeah. my wife got the injection um, last week, and the when they seen that she was using. Um, a walking aid. They took her straight, straight in and uh, vaccinated. Her. Was that in City Hall as well? No, that was in in uh, the bonds. In the bonds. Yeah. All right. Okay. So we seem to be vaccinating in quite an amount of places, don't we? CIT yeah. vaccinating, City Hall, bonds are vaccinating. Obviously, GP surgeries are vaccinating. We know that they're vaccinating uh, out the yin yang down in Parky Cueve. So there's a lot of it been rolled out. Fairness. Uh, there is, but, but I mean the. In the City Hall, uh, I counted, on the side I was on, I counted 16 vaccination uh, bays. There were six in operation out of the 16. (sighs) Why? Did you ask why? Uh, No, there was no point in asking why, to be honest with you, because I turned around and when I was in the queue, there were, it was a double queue, and people on the left-hand side, a lot of people had been queuing behind me. They were brought in before me. So I seen a, a chap walking around with a clipboard yeah. and I assumed he had some bit of authority and I called him over and I explained to him that I was waiting for an hour at this stage and that there were people whom I know were in the queue behind me outside yeah. Yeah. and they'd been taken in before me. What did he say? Did he explain it to me? Yeah. He just looked at me and walked off. He didn't even answer you? He didn't say a word. He didn't didn't even respond to you? No, he didn't even respond. He just listened and walked out. That was it. I have to say, that's quite ignorant, I must say. Well, I would have thought so as well. I mean, you could give some kind of an answer, even if it isn't the right answer. (laughs) Well, you could acknowledge that you were being spoken to. You see, there would have been a chance that they were brought in ahead of you because their appointment time was before you, maybe. I mean, could have said no, that. Because my appointment time was for 10 to 1, right? And it was just the way that the, the security staff were bringing the people in. They just closed off the front of our queue and the people on the other side were just being wheeled in before. And many of those, I won't keep you much longer, but many of those that were being vaccinated would be still elderly or vulnerable, would they? They would be in the 65, 70 age bracket. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, because they were the people that were being brought in. So basically the reason I'm doing this is just to warn people that you could have that much of a delay and to prepare yourself for it. And maybe the reason they've only six out of 16 is that they don't have enough vaccines to use up the six booths. But but, but they could move it faster, couldn't they, by opening them all? You know, it would make more sense. It's not as if they don't have enough vaccines. If they have 16 booths and they're vaccinating in 16, they're vaccinating those in the queues faster. Yeah, but the thing is that they probably haven't got the personnel either. 
Ah, oh, come on. Surely be to God you would be able to get the people, you know. Well, I mean, when you hear stories of doctors applying to do the vaccinations and their birth certificate and their junior certificate were looked for. Uh, yeah, I, I, I heard that a few weeks ago. That struck me as bizarre. Why would you want to know someone's leaving cert results? Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't be qualified as a doctor unless they had handed those documents in to somebody previously. Okay, so the so the, the story here is be prepared, particularly if you're not great in the standing department, be prepared for a long wait. Up to an hour and 40 minutes was your experience on Wednesday. Yeah. 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 Hold, hold on there if you want, because I'm just curious as to uh, how, what kind of an experience Nicholas had. I think it might have been very different to yours. Nicholas? Possibly. Hello, Neil, yeah. Go ahead. Just I'll keep my name. Not, not Nicholas, I'll keep the, the ex-politician yeah. uh, or uh, okay. thing. This is his father. But I, my oh, father well, I know your son well. He's a fine young man. I know him well. That's right. Great That's guy. That's right, Nicholas, yeah. yeah. Right. I'm his father. What I've, I've got my appointment yesterday for um, 10 past, 20 past 2, right? I went in. I was sitting in my car and, and, uh, and that's key waiting. I left my car at 5 past 2. Walked across, met this lovely girl. She um, brought me and I told her my appointment was at 20 past two. And at 25 to three, I was back in my car. Oh, what? The, right? But you had to wait for 15 minutes after the jab, didn't you? Yes, exactly, exactly. But I was in there, I reckon. My appointment was at 20 past two, but I think I was in there about quarter past, right? And I went in. No, there was a queue. Checked in. Got my vaccination off. A lovely girl, a nurse, right? Back out, and she put a sticker on my hand to say if I was to leave the building at uh, uh, fourteen thirty-five. Yeah. Yeah, the time that you took off. That's right. I sat down. I thought it was the best experience. Now I know a person I was in there on Wednesday that was delayed, but I don't know what the reason for. You think Wednesday was a rogue day? Maybe. Maybe so. Maybe so. I don't know. But like yesterday, and uh, like you hear so much negativity about people giving out about this. That I was delighted to be in there, and. The whole thing, it took less, nearly about, about half an hour off the talk. And I was in and out. And yeah, and but you would have a different, you'd have a different opinion if you were there the day before and you were elderly, vulnerable, or not great at standing, or the legs weren't the best and you were an hour and 40 minutes, you know? Possibly, possibly. But the thing about, I think, oh, there was a girl in front of me at the gate, and her appointment, I was there at, uh, let me think now, I was there at, t at 10 past 2. My appointment was to get. I heard the girl with the clipboard asking this girl in front of me, What time is your appointment? And she said it was 10 past three. Right? So yeah. she was actually in Noah before. I yeah, yeah, way, way, way too early. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I the, it's lady, a the lady on the clipboard said to her, Right, you'll have to go away and come back about 10 to uh, 5 to 3. And she did. She did. Okay. The lady okay. went to the Right? Okay. I think that's the problem. People were going before their time. And it was, uh, it was uh, upsetting the, the queuing system. All right, let Jim jump in there. Jim, how'd it go for you? Good morning, Neil. Yeah, uh, absolutely brilliant. I was there with my partner, Margaret. We joined the queue at 20 past 11 for 11 30 uh, appointment. Um, there, there was about 40 in front of us. The, the, um, the line was moving steady. You know, there was very little weight. So we didn't take the lift. We went up to the stairs. So it was a queue up the stairs. Where? In Parky Cave. Oh, yeah, I'd say Parky Cave's a different ball game. The lads were City Hall. Well, I, I'm just talking about Parky Cave now. Yeah. Um, um, if I, we we were seen at an 11.30 spot on. Uh, the, the longest wait was the 15 minutes after the, the jab. 
and we were walking back down the Marine Road at five past twelve. Good stuff. And yeah, I, mu- yeah. I must, I must congratulate everybody involved. Everybody. Yeah, but if somebody queuing for a jab, ask somebody with a clipboard a question as to you know why is it taking so long or why are people going ahead of others and that that, that person with the clipboard needs to be mannerly and answer. Well, in Parky Keeve, I I could not find. I'm not talking about that. I, was, I I had experienced in Parky Keeve, fantastic. But in John's case, an hour and forty minutes, he asks a civil question, he gets no answer. That's just not good enough. You know, it's a thing called respect. You know. Well, well, maybe they couldn't. Maybe they couldn't answer the question. Well, then you say, listen, I don't know. Listen, I don't know. I don't have an answer. You say something well, anyway. Congr- you don't blank somebody. But but, but, but congratulations to Parky Keeve and everyone involved with us. Okay, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Nicholas. Thank you, John. Anybody going today, uh, please make some observations on my behalf and text me and let me know how your experience is on, uh, with regards to City Hall. Anyway, for sure, text 0868104106 when you get out and I'll return to the story on Monday. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. So time for the ice creams in the 99s and people are texting on that already and already they've been selling ice creams in 99s. Lovely little addition down the marina where I was cycling yesterday. It's a little hut down there and they're selling strawberries. Fantastic. And there's people buying them and everything and enjoying them in the sunshine. You're talking about the diff. What's the difference between a, say, an ice lol and an ice cream on Lisa? Well, an ice cream is a 99 or it's just a, a Mr. Whippy or whatever. An ice lol then would be. Back in the day, if you had a few bob in your pocket, it probably would be a chalk ice. Now, these days, it probably would be, if you're very wealthy, it probably would be a magnum. But back in the day, the ice laws would be like chalk ices or super splits, brunches, wibbly wobbly wonders. And the nameless one, I can never remember the name of it, but it was the cheapest of the cheap way back in the day. And this literally was iced orange. You know, the iced orange lol that had like the chocolate on the top of it. So the iced chocolate, sorry, the iced orange lolly. And then, obviously, what they did was they had a machine and it just dipped the ice lol into the chocolate so the top of it was chocolate. I don't know what they were called, but they were the cheapest of the chip, cheap back in the day. It reminded people of things, actually, that they remember from their childhood. It might well have been the Bay City Rollers. More on that in a minute. But Neve talks of club shandies and packets of sweet cigarettes. I'd say they're probably outlawed now, are they? Um, like sweet cigarettes, the white ones that are you know, just like sugar. Um, Probably the fear would be, oh, you can't have sweet cigarettes in children because they'll grow up and start smoking fags at the age of 10. Um, apparently, there was another thing called Frosties, cola-flavoured Frosties. Give me a break, unless you took a box of Frosties and you poured Coca-Cola into it. Um, cherry Coke, Mikado Biscuits, the bad boys in our grandparents' house. Um, lots on the Marietta that I was talking about recently and Flat 7 Up. I know of all of that. Other biscuits then included things like coconut creams. Uh, for Elizabeth, her memory of, uh, you know, whether it was ice laws or indeed, I suppose, 99 was toasting bread on the fire. <laughs> you don't burn the house down. Uh, I wish mummies came back. They were the crisps of my childhood. Never heard of them. Um, a lot of people then, of course, would be diluted orange. Um, oh, the Frosties, he's referring to the Coley's Frost. Yeah, thank you. The Cola Frost, they're sweets. <laughs> I need to crawl back under that rock. Thing called Jolly Ranchers. Having a notion. Um, Roy of the Rovers bars. Wham bars. You'd be peeling them off your teeth for days. Um, my nan nearly always had a packet of Lincoln biscuits in the cupboard for the cuppa. Dawkey Supreme dessert pots. <laughs> Things you remember. But the, the best text of them all, oxtail soup with skull bread and butter. I mean, can you not just taste that? The packet of oxtail soup with the freshly cut, cutty skull bread with butter. I know you're going to want it this lunchtime, aren't you? You really and truly are. Anyways, mentioned earlier on, for those of you who, I mean, 
people can appreciate music at all ages. I know that. But you would need to be a child um, and a, a smallie in the back end of the 60s and early 70s to be appreciating the music of the Bay City Rollers. And I know a lot of you do. So Les McKeown died yesterday at the age of, of 65. We don't know uh, how he died or what was the cause of death, but a statement posted on Twitter yesterday by his family said, it is with profound sadness that we announce the death of our beloved husband and father, Rich- Leslie Richard McKeown. Les McKeown. And uh, as they say, social media went viral with people taken to social media to say the band were the soundtrack of their youth in the 1970s. Now, while you had Beatlemania, um, in the 70s you had Rollermania. You really and truly did. And for many, Les McKeown, of course, was the front man and he was the heartthrob. But alongside him, if you're old enough to remember, many people might even might even challenge that and say, actually, the heartthrob that all the young girls loved was actually Woody and not Les. Woody from the Bay City Rollers. Um, But I'm allowing you to choose a song to go out on this morning by the Rollers, so text 0868104106. But Mark Willington put together a montage of the biggest hits. And um, I'll come back after these because you'll hear hit after hit after hit for which the band members made very little money. If you hate me after all I say down the spine's tough when you hear that again right I mean to call it a frenzy back then is an understatement they toured the world they really and truly did they went in through a lot of pride a lot of problems in some of their own personal lives alcoholism drug addiction drink addictions drink driving convictions problems with the courts and indeed uh, being cheated out of huge amounts of money to the best of my knowledge they didn't write a whole lot themselves and that was the big problem but there still was a lot of money coming in in fact 
Um, when you total it all up, when you top the charts in the USA alone, that's got to be Kaching City, Japan, Canada, Australia, the rest of Europe. Um, they sold a total of 120 million records back then, uh, but they were cheated out of huge amounts of money with regards to, uh, and over the decades, they fought for that money um, in unpaid royalties. And it was believed to run into tens of millions, perhaps even 50, 75, 100 million. And eventually they settled on a tiny fraction of what they were owed, uh, they were owed years and years later. Um, in actual fact, Les McKeown was on the Late Late Show some time ago and spoke on the Late Late Show about how they lost their, the money that they had themselves, squandered it, if you like, but also how they were robbed of all of their money uh, after their time in the spotlight. And that is just a story that is replicated by so many bands over the years. But uh, this is about 45 seconds of it. You get used to that kind of lifestyle, you know, everything's no problem. I'd like this and suddenly it appears you don't Mm. spend your own money, you're spending magical money. Um, It's just just like a fantasy world, really, but you don't realise it because you've you've been drawn into that that style, that lifestyle. And we all broke at the end. We were all broke at the end. How did that happen? Well, duty of a bunch of thieving. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of beaving feckers. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Really, were you, you were just basically robbed, were you? Uh, robbed, yeah, by a lot of people. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no one looking after you properly, yeah, essentially. Yeah. I was thinking of doing this guide to, you know how they got in Hollywood, the guide to the Hollywood stars' homes? Yes. Well, I'm going to do one, uh, the guide to the homes of base that a roller's bought for other people. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That was so true. He spoke about the fact that they built so many big palatial houses with massive swimming pools for other people and sports cars and, um, you know, um, summer homes in the Bahamas and what have you. Um, he had a lot of problems in his life, but he fought and he fought and he battled and he battled. And, of course, the Bay City Rotors came back together years later for a period of time. And then there was the Les McKeown Bay City Rotors and he was touring and, the, and, and in fact, was still gigging. Uh, up until COVID, uh, and he passed away yesterday at the age of 65. So you guys can choose to go out on a roller sound this morning. Text 0868 104 106, and we'll come back to it um, just before quitting time. But for many people, of course, it's sad news. But get an opportunity there for a while anyway, hearing that montage from Mark of the songs of the Bay City Rollers from your youth. All right? So more on that a little later on. Text 0868 104 106. Uh, let's get back to the phone lines and just cover an awful lot of ground this morning because I have a lot to do. Niamh. Hi, Neil. How are you? Um, yeah, I, I was surprised actually that there was so many calls from people whose children literally stopped breathing. Uh, it's amazing. And it all started from the very first uh, email. But what was your own situation? Um, so with me, it was my son. Um, no, he was born premature. He was born at 36 weeks. And uh, just even in the delivery ward, taking his first bottle, he um, he turned blue, you know. So obviously there was alarms raised and he was taken down to neonatal. Um, no, he was in the neonatal for about four weeks, just learning to breathe and feed at the same time, you know. That's yeah. what they thought the problem was. And, Imagine uh, that having no. to learn how to breathe. You would think that it would be involuntary. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and feed at the same time, you see, because taking his bottle um, was the problem because he couldn't breathe then, you know. Um, so so eventually he did learn to do it himself. But what he learned to do, the doctors were telling me afterwards, was he thought this was normal. As a baby, he used to take the bottle and hold his breath, basically, and then take a breath, or, you know. She's so starving, he probably he starving, yeah. Oh yeah, that's the thing. He was very hungry and he wanted his bottle. Yeah. But like he he just he couldn't take all the bottles because he got so tired 
you know, trying to feed. So eventually, anyway, after the four weeks, he came home and um, he had a noise as well when he was breathing. It was called a strider. And um, basically, it was that, like the, the other lady who rang in this morning, it was like that skin that floppy skin on the voice box on yeah. the larynx yeah, yeah. and it was over the airways and that noise and when we came home from the Neo it just got louder and he seemed to struggle more and I just brought him back and I had concerns and even the doctor looked at him and he knew himself because he wasn't putting on the weight you see he he, he was he, he was nearly alien looking he, he had no weight on him so he was very concerned so that was a Thursday and he got us up to Crumlin on the Monday and we went up on the Monday morning and even the doctors up there were concerned straight away. So they put the camera down literally for seconds and saw that there was way too much skin which was covering his airway. Ah, yeah. That's what we were talking about earlier on. Yeah, this uh, lazy yeah. muscle thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think like with him, he had, he had extra which wouldn't have hardened or developed, as, you know, as he Bit of a design over. fault there, wasn't there? That's it, yeah, yeah. And also with his airways then, he was born with very... Tight folds in his airways. Okay, okay. Uh, did they? And, but did it get sorted? Oh, did he got operated? They brought us in within Great. two days. We were back up to Crumlin. He got operated on. Um, well, they checked him for the sleep apnea. Did it a sleep test? Did it all that? But they knew there was a constru- or uh, obstruction there in his throat. So he got operated on, and after the operation, then because he was on the tube, because he wasn't feeding with the bottle, he had to learn how to feed all over again, you know? Is it, are you so, amazed that there's so many little babies, or at least calls to me from parents who I, have... Like, I asked that question when I was in Crumlin. I said, is this common? Is this, is this, you know, does it happen a lot? And they said, yes, they operate nearly every day. There's, there's a waiting list up there, like, you know? Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering, what are people supposed to do? Yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know. I, I, like, even my partner said to me, I knew there was something wrong. I said, he's gasping for air, even... even. But you're clearly not supposed to ignore it, you're not. Oh, no, I wouldn't. Oh, no, I'd, 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 pursue, I'd keep going on, and I, that's what I kind of did. I rang doctors, I rang the pediatricians, I got back on, and, you know, and, and eventually we got the appointment, and he saw him, and once he saw him, then he was worried. He said, no, straight away, oh, you need... Even he was actually going to even get us an ambulance. Okay. That he looked that bad, you know what I mean? Okay, but all well then yeah. after the operation, was all, he? All right. once, once he had the operation, then he was fine. He, he, like it was amazing then how, how easily he fed, you know? It should be checked really, shouldn't it? All little babies should be checked for something like that. Maybe, maybe they are, I don't know. Yeah, because like I was just, uh, like my, my, my issue was when he was in the neonatal for four weeks, I was like, you know, they sent us home and I was like, geez, should they? No, they knew he had a strider, but the noise got louder as we, uh, when we went home, you know. And I was saying, Jesus, should they not have checked for this? Now they checked, you know, for Cliff Palace and, you know, tongue tie and all this, but like, like if it was ignored, like, I don't know, what would have happened? No, I'm just wondering, are there, is, is it in any way connected to cot death, you know, preventable cot death in that regard? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. We would think, yeah. Yeah. All right, appreciate it. Thanks for taking the call. Cheers, Neef. Take care. Listen, Ian and uh, Lisa were to be married um, today, uh, but it was cancelled due to the effect of the small numbers and COVID and stuff like that. So Hillary said, appreciate it if you could send the good wishes for a lovely weekend. We're looking forward now to September 21st when, please God, the wedding will take place. So yours uh, from parents Lyons and Walsh's and all the extended family including Hillary to Ian and Lisa. So I hope you're not feeling too down in the dumps today for the day that's entered. It's a sunny day and it's just a postponement and you know in September you'll have an awful lot more people at your wedding than you would have done today.
Hope you can share this from you. A good, caring, loyal friend of mine, Jacinta Power, is retiring today after 31 years working behind the counter in Apple Green, Ballyvalan. Uh, I think she deserves one of your shout-outs. She's an amazing woman. I know she'll be dearly missed by all of the customers and staff, most of whom she's become great friends with down through the years. So she obviously was there before it was Apple Green, going way back to the day when it would have been Texaco, wasn't it? Most people in Ballyvalan will know her for her kindness. Jacinta Power, I had the pleasure of working with her a few years ago and I enjoyed every day. She's such a witty woman. I hope she enjoys her newfound freedom, says Alison. So there you have it. Um, have a great day and happy retirement after 31 years and enjoy the rest. Uh, morning, Neil, says Kieran. Well done to Cork City Council for putting in the gate up over the lock to stop people urinating in Lockview Terrace. I hope they had a member of staff to see how it was going. Was it a success? Was it a failure, the gate? Well, passing this evening on a walk, uh, I can see that it was actually a a failure. Uh, They are now peeing through the gate instead. What they need to do is put up portaloos for the young people out enjoying themselves on a sunny evening. The guards should be confiscating drink off them and taking their names. In fairness to the girls, it must have been like a Saturday night getting dressed up to go to the lock. The style there is incredible. No trouble, mind you, just people enjoying themselves, Kieran says. Well, if there was no trouble there and people were enjoying themselves, why do you want to be confiscating their drink? Why not put up lots and lots of port and allow people to enjoy a bit of freedom? Just a thought. There's more on that and lots more besides after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Emerald Music Station of the Year. Cork's Red FM. It's Friday, so it's mad busy with lots of different things, including free food Friday for Oak Fire Pizza. So let's do some shout-outs on that. Text 0868104106. Dermody, dental practice on the Evergreen Road. Very good during the pandemic, says Nicola. Looked after her. Everybody at the National Ambulance Service are listening. So is everybody working from home all over the place, including Laura working at home in Kilcully for Clodera since the first lockdown. The gang at Cheeky Cherubs and Ballancolic are always listening. Brothers of Charity as well. Here's a lovely one. Myself and my husband Paul are working from home today, but hopefully we'll be back in the office soon. We're planning a big barbecue for our five kids this weekend. My hubby doesn't have a good track record with barbecues. <laughs> so I'd love pizza vouchers so that I'm ready for when the sausages get turned into charcoal this weekend. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's Clara and Douglas. Brothers to Charity, Dave Service in Glanmire. MrPower.ie in Blackpool would love some food, particularly pizza. Martin and Rylan working at home for Dell. Everybody at Reynolds Logistics. Morning all, particularly Ken. Um, we've been working from home for 12 months now. We'd love to relax for the evening, says Kira and Clonakilty. Morning to everybody at Cummins Sports Warehouse in Little Island. Level 1 at Victoria Hospital. Amari on the Tremor Road. Everybody working in the South Infirmary, especially the South Infirmary team at Occupational health, traffic management in Dunmanway. There is such a thing in beautiful Dunmanway. Traffic management, I suppose. Why not? And um, particularly Colin McMurray, who loves listening to Red FM. Thank you. Morning to everybody down Dunmanway. Uh, Charlie, Jeremy, and the, Jeremy and their Nana Maureen in Clonakilty are listening. They'd love a treat. Uh, what's this one? I'm meeting my best friend tomorrow in town for the first time in a year. We're going to walk around our beautiful city and just chat. We'd love some oak fire pizza as we sit on the courthouse steps and eat it. What a beautiful piece of prose. Thank you, Jackie. Uh, to all the O'Leary's and O'Sullivan's uh, and all the lads working in Coppinger's Field uh, in White's Cross working hard, says Coleman. And just two or three more currently in a boot with a fractured foot. 
I shouldn't laugh. But the descriptions people put on things to get pizza. I'm in a boot with a fractured foot and I'd love a break from the cooking. Well, to be a better break than the broken leg, I suppose. My two sons working from home, Aaron and Cahal morning to them. Hungry staff at Clona Dairies. And finally for now, Mary McGough and all the team at Argos in Mahan would love some lunch. <sighs> I need to come up for air. We'll do some more shout-outs in about 45 minutes' time. So text who you are and where you are to 086-8104-106 and we'll do some more shout-outs again in about 45 minutes' time. Meanwhile, Amanda, good morning. Good morning, me. How are you? I'm well. Uh, and again, this good. is another story of people coming to the rescue. There you are in a supermarket. Uh, was it like 12 months ago? It would have been just over 12 months ago. It could have even been a little bit more, I suppose. We lose time with time with this lockdown and everything. But, but I think that it had something to do with the fact that there was a right rush on because of COVID and people yeah. were buying milk and toilet roll, remember, and bread oh and stuff. Oh my so. God, people were fighting for toilet rolls and the bread situation and everything. It was chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bottled um, water. Was, so you were in a you yeah. were in a queue at that time, so yeah. So I'm in a queue, yeah. And every checkout is, is open in the supermarket and um there's there's quite a lot of people in every queue so but we're moving along nicely and I just hear these screams from up ahead and I'm I'm trying to see but at the same time you can't see up to the very top because there's so many people passing up and down while the queues are there as well and I see this girl come running down running towards me and I notice her and I know her and I say oh my god you alright what's wrong and she's screaming someone help someone help someone help and there's a lot of people around and everybody's looking to see what's the commotion so I leave my two children in the car in the in the queue sorry and I say just wait here one minute and I go up the queue and I see that the baby is in the buggy and the baby is blue blue he's not he's not there's no airways free for him but he's eating something so I think that there might be something stuck in his throat and everybody's panicking around and to be fair, there was another girl in the queue as well, and um, she she was she was helping me, and I was helping her, and I said, "Get him out of the buggy, open the strap." So people were just. Did you actually know what yeah. you were doing? Now this says you think. Well, I've done. I've I've worked. Uh, I well, I do work in childcare. Okay. And I'm okay. trained. Okay. Um, CPR yeah. trained. All right, get him out of the buggy. So yeah, go get ahead. him out of the buggy. Yeah. Um, and I noticed that he have this. Um, coat on him, he's got um, a jumper underneath, he's got layers of clothes. Now the weather is fine but obviously the mother's just wrapping up the child to go out and get a few bits in the supermarket etc. Um, but the amount of people that's in this in the supermarket there's no air. It is completely and utterly roasting hot in the supermarket. I don't even know if they had air conditioning on or anything but it was the amount of people that were all together. It was chaos. So I guess I can't get in front of the buggy because there's actually a lot of um of boxes in the middle of the A ice. lot of what? A lot of boxes. Okay. So they're obviously restocking the shelves and filling the shelves up and there's not enough space for me to get through. So there's got there's the line of people. The buggy is there, so I'm behind the buggy and I just someone opens the straps from the front and I just rip the child out of the buggy. I just tell people get out of the way. And I run to the front of the queue with the child, strip him down, take the coat off him, lay him down the floor. Um, I feel for a pulse straight away. There's nothing there. So I'm panicking then, even though I know what I'm doing. The panic is on. But everybody around me 
is he? Is he okay? Is he okay? What's wrong? He's choking. There must be something. So I, I just put my fingers inside his mouth just to see. I run them along his palate, around under his tongue. There's nothing in the mouth. So the mother, I shout to the mother, where's the cork off of the tube that he's eating the food? And she said, What no, tube? What, what was he? What was that? The tube of food. You know, you just pick up these tubes of ready made meals and stuff like that. What? What, what are they? Well, they're like pre made meals. So you pick them up at any supermarket, really. There, You can get them in yogurt, you can get. Uh, Okay, okay, I don't know thing. them, so that's like a... They're just something quick and easy if you're out and about, you know. Um, they're pre-made meals. So, they're probably not the thing to be given kids, but when you're out and about and you don't have something prepared and you're running to the shop, then maybe it's something that you could use then. No, I, I'm not judging, I just didn't know what they were, no, so okay, yeah. and now I know, okay. So, they're, the, the baby is about one and a half, and he's sitting in the buggy eating this tube and while the mother's picking up her few bits, but she had the cork. So what people thought, or he must have swallowed the cork, but he didn't. So what what happened was that he was sitting in the buggy, eating away. There's a lot of people around, not a lot of air in there. It's very hot. He overheated. Had he too much so, clothes on, do you think? Do people put did. too much clothes on babies? He had a lot of clothes on him, yeah. But like, it's no fault of the mother. It's just the fact that... It's a temperature the, change. Yeah, yeah. in the supermarket, it was so warm. Like, outside, there's a little breeze. I mean... So how'd you get him back? Driving. She's in, a, she's in, she's in pushing the buggy all day. She's not driving. So she's doing the right thing by putting clothes on the baby, you know? Okay. So next of all, anyway, um, with the help of another girl, um, we roll him over on his side then, and I tapped his back a little bit, but I also, I put the right leg... The left leg was on the floor, but I poured the right leg over to the side and I started tapping on his heart, where his heart is. Started tapping there for a few minutes. Stripped him down as much as I could. He opened his eyes and everybody just, it was like you could hear the sigh through the whole, the sigh of relief through the whole store. Everybody was watching. Um, there was an ambulance call. Another girl called an ambulance. So the ambulance is on the way. The baby's eyes are open. He's not choking. There's nothing stuck in his airways. He's overheated. He went into what what the mother described as like maybe it's like a seizure. Yeah. And he just had no air. The mother kind of, she didn't know what to do. She got such a fright that she she, she just ended up running around. Around the supermarket. Why? And running out the door looking for the ambulance. Oh yeah, okay. So there was nothing that uh, she could do and she could see that at the same time she was very distressed looking at people trying to save her child. <laughs> save a child there yourself in a minute, yeah. So, but you brought but you brought the child back. I did, yeah. With I whatever technique up. you just described there. Yeah. yeah. I sat him up on the um, on the like the windowsill inside the supermarket. What could have happened if you weren't there? I don't know, Neil, I'd say... Like, people were helping, but people were only doing what they thought they could do. They didn't know, like, but I didn't know either. I suppose it was just, you get that rush of adrenaline and you just go into that mode of, this is what I have to do. Why were you critical of the staff? Um, the staff, it was disappointing, to say the least, because I had two kids with me. One's my own son and one is my niece. And they stood over on the side of the checkout with a lady 
I was familiar of the lady, so it wasn't a stranger. But if it was a stranger, it would have him to be a stranger. Um, this this whole situation is going on. The child is sitting on the windowsill and he's stripped down to the vest now. People wanted to give him a drink, whatever. I said, no, don't give him anything. He came not come around. So he was very dazed. But when I looked around at the amount of people that were in the queues looking and trying to say, is he all right? The staff were just on the tills, you know, just checking out people. Oh, you mean all of the different tills continued, including the till where all this happened at? Yeah. That's bizarre, yeah. isn't it? There wasn't one person got off of their checkout. Or, like, they didn't even come over or just, like, there's a baby. They the just baby continued to check no out people's pulse, groceries. No air. It's bizarre. There's nobody coming. So somebody calls for somebody. Can someone help do something? So a, a lady came anyway, and she was like a manager or something like that. So she said, I've called the ambulance. She stood by us, but did not interfere. Like, well, ah, yeah, but now in fairness, a, a manager did call an ambulance. So Cost, the customer an ambulance, didn't it? Yeah. The amb- yeah, the staff did. Customer, and she rang the ambulance, it was already ready. Oh, customer. Somebody done that done immediately. Yeah, yeah. yeah was yeah. a customer done that? Yeah, yeah. But, like, afterwards, I spoke to another manager down there, and I said, you know, why didn't anybody help? Like, I'm a stranger. I could run from the back of the store, like, down halfways in the queue, and take this, this baby out of a buggy, literally bring him back to life, because he was nearly, nearly dead. I don't know if he was dead or not. He had no pulse, and I checked it. Have you met that mammy since, you have? I have. Yeah. And I see the I see the boy all the time. He's gorgeous. <laughs> and he's a right boy, you know? He's a right boy. He walks through the shopping centres and Blackpool there and you see him and he's That's got the bar in his yeah. hand and his face destroyed in chocolate and chocolate. That's all your fault. Everywhere. That's all your fault. And I'm looking at him going, Yes, that's what I love to see. <laughs> Have a listen. Listen, have a listen to this text just before I let you go. It's just interesting yeah. to talk about babies overheating. Uh, back in our parents' time, mums were told that if a baby had a high temperature, they were to wrap them up warm, put them in front of the fire and break the fever. That's completely turned on its head now and you're supposed to leave the baby in light clothes if they have a temperature. Also, we used to be told to lie babies on their bellies when they slept, then on their sides and now... They're being told on their backs. Things are constantly changing. No wonder mums and dads are demented. Also, those angel bank blankets would scare the life out of you. The alarm goes off if the baby rolls off. There are way too many things these days scaring the life out of young mums, especially first-timers. Even baby walkers are banned now too. It's a lot going on in rearing a child, isn't there? Um, there is, yeah. I have, um, I have a one-year-old on the first of May. He's one. And he like he came into the world, you know, in a bit of in a bit of a panic. So, I mean, he was resuscitated at birth himself. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that actually at the time. I found out this later. By um, there, sometimes there is a struggle when the baby's born. It's yeah, not an it's yeah. not a but panic he, or anything, but. He's good and healthy now, and he's really funny and everything like that. So we're blessed with him. Yeah. And I have an older boy, and he's eleven. And when he was born, he had a bit of a problem as well. He wasn't feeding very well, wasn't sleeping, always irritated. And we went around to so many different places trying to get help for him. And they all said something different, you know. But, if you did, but of course, you did so with the best with the best will in the world. But everything was fine in the end, wasn't it? Well, I tell you what, no, um, he was in and out of hospital for a few months. Well, then he wasn't um, fine. He had, he had been like, investigated by a couple of different doctors and what they told me was 
Well, he has colic. We think that's colic. It sounds like colic. And you have to have patience because you're only a first-time mother. Yeah. And I thought, I have got a lot of patience. Well, you know, and you'd have people coming into the house and they'd all be sticking their oar in and giving you all sorts of advice. And then I remember once uh, the the public health nurse said to us, don't listen to them. Tell them, I think she might have said, tell them to feck off. You do what you want to do. In fact, one would think that maybe you should be thrown open the windows not, well, not not sealing them and wrapping them up in clothes. Yeah, no. Well, I actually listened to the health nurse one time. She said to me, uh, you know, you know your own child. She's spot you on. You know yeah. your own yeah, child. Yeah, yeah. And after that, I said, you're right, I do. And you know what I done? I um, I wasn't happy with him at all in his development. And he was about three months at this stage. So I booked a train ticket with my mother and my sister. And we got on that train with my baby, bags, baggage. And he had a feeding tube. So he had the feeding machine as well with him. Right. And I went up to Crumlin. And I, well, I booked into Dublin and I rang an ambulance and I said, you know what, my baby's sick, I'm, I need help. And we were waiting for a specialist from Crumlin to actually contact us about an appointment, but it was going on too long. So you went to Dublin, called an ambulance, went to, went to Crumlin and got seen? No, they turned me away. They, they what? It's not A&E. They turned me away. They said it's not an A&E. I was devastated. You were desperate, so weren't you? Desperate. My baby was very sick and there was nothing anybody was and doing. And what did, just briefly, there. what did you do? I rang an ambulance again and I went back to Crumlin and they said, okay, we'll take him in. Persistence. And by God, they are unbelievable up there. They took him in, they examined him, they started from scratch now, which was very hard because they fed him with a bottle and he screened the place down. He was in pain during feeding. And you could see he wanted to feed. He really wanted. He was hungry, like, but every time he tried to I know, swallow the I know. milk. Listen, I wish I wish I had more time, but it, and and all was well yeah. in the end. I sincerely hope. Yeah. But what happened was really quickly. They put a camera down, and they realised he had a hole in his esophagus. There was an acid in his reflux that burnt all his throat the whole time. So, like that, they did um they did a feeding program with him after they they made it better. Like they healed it up with medication and everything, and they've done tube feeding for a while and introduced the bottle and I mean he's 11 now he's amazing the persistence of a mother well done yeah yeah, yeah. 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 you know your own child right don't you oh, lovely catching up with you and well done on that intervention yeah. thanks Amanda cheers oh, nowadays so well. uh, Neil most daycare centres in Sweden put children outside to rest and that's saying something in Sweden, isn't it? It's common to see rows of prams lined up in the snow at nap time with youngsters fast asleep inside. Spotting a baby napping outside alone in frigid sub-zero conditions isn't necessarily a cause for concern in Denmark or Finland or any of the Nordic countries, apparently. In these places, parents commonly put their babies down for a nap outdoors because babies may get better sleep while being exposed to fresh air. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. I'm going to share this on our own social media platforms yet, but I think it's a fantastic idea to uh, allow people to experience something that if they're visually impaired, they thought that they were not able to experience. I'm talking about the absolutely incredible Crawford Gallery in Cork. And uh, when you have an opportunity to go to the Crawford, if you haven't before, I would encourage you to do so, particularly if you love art, particularly if you love things to do with your city and art of your city and lots more besides. But anyway, maybe that's for another day. But this day week, they're launching a thing called Seen Unseen. It's uh, an event at the Crawford Gallery. 
exploring some of the artworks in the collect, collect, collection, but doing it in a non-visual way. Now, I don't have the time nor the opportunity to go through exactly how they're doing it, but they are sending out things called tactile packs, packs, tactile packs. Uh, they're sending them out at the moment, but it's still not too late to sign up for the event. It's called Seen Unseen, and it's confined to the visually impaired people at the moment. And assuming that you, even with visual impairment, can email and negotiate around, say, for instance, uh, you know, whatever way you do with regards to your own screen or your laptop or your tablet, you should get in touch with the with the, the Crawford, either through their website, crawford.gallery.ie, you're, you're looking to find eventually the um, um, Zoom for the Blind visually impaired people uh, and this event that's starting next Friday so you will in a tactile physical hands-on way explore the art of the gallery don't you think that's incredible I mean it's just a fantastic undertaking Uh, I will post that up on our own social media platforms you think of something that might suit somebody that you know check it out yourselves and let them know about it and we'll come back to it uh, at midday when we post it on, on social media so it'll be there this afternoon for you to have a look and it's a great addition to the wonderful service that the Crawford Art Gallery provides. Uh, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Just very, very quickly, um, uh, with regards to CPR, I've known I've, I've touched on it in the past because some people have the ability, others don't. Some are saying that it should be taught in school. Um, some schools do. Do you know what I mean? It's there's no one rule for it. But Anthony is an emergency first responder himself. Anthony, good morning. Hey, good morning, Neil. So we, you know, the story that Amanda told in the aisle at the checkout in the supermarket. Uh, I don't know what kind of a technique she used, but she clearly learned skills. Would that be a kind of a CPR skill? It, it would be, indeed, yes. Uh, well, uh, with CPR on a child is totally different to CPR on a person because of their and, fragility. Yes, yeah. and their bones are so weak and yeah. what have you. Yeah. And you want to use two fingers in a child, you know. She uh, described it as tapping. Yeah. Yes, that's all it is. You just tap the chest with your two fingers very, very lightly and it, it just massages the heart back again, like, you know. But, um, like, CPR is, there's, there's loads of places and loads of people out there that are trained to train people and certify them for CPR. You is know? there much involved in it, learning, you know? There's not. It's, it's, it's only a day course. You know, it, it, it takes a day to, it, to do the course. And CPR and is all about the heart, is it? It's all it's all about uh, hands on the chest and positioning on the chest and what have you. But does and it involve blockages? I mean, it's all very well. Yes, you know? it does. Like, sometimes you might have a choking there, you know, and it, 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 it'll work out nearly the same as a heart attack. They'll stop breathing. But when you start doing CPR on a person that's choking... It, it could free the blockage as well, you know. I got gotcha. you. Plus, yeah, yeah. you'll also be giving them, well, you don't have to give them breaths anymore if you're doing CPR. But if you want to, you can. Using so a, is a it taught in school or anything? Sorry? Is it taught in schools? Uh, some, t- some schools might bring in an instructor to show people how to do it and what have you. you because know? when I hear these stories of people coming to other people's aid, particularly with regards to their children, and I've had loads of them yesterday and more again today and lots of texts, one would think that it's something everybody should know. It, it is, it is. Like, I, I've been on a few calls there on myself there uh, for kids and adults and what have you, you know, and everyone, everyone should do it. Everyone should learn how to do it. It's so somebody that's listening to us right now, how would they go about that? Well, there's loads of group, uh, people out there, like you, um, a couple of lads there now in Cork City Force Responders, which are, are a very good group. Um, 
they do courses and they're also looking for volunteers to join their group. Both north side and south side, they're city wide. Okay, so Cork City and First Responders, that's good Google. Yeah. Uh, is is CPR training different to first aid? It, it is. Yeah, well, okay. first aid is more or less bandages, cuts and what have you. And it takes in some CPR then as well. My son did a know? course years ago in uh, St. John's Ambulance, down there by... Uh, yeah, well, he would, he would have done the CFR course. There the you CFR go. course okay. as well. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. But uh, what do you call it? But the lads, you know, in, in Cork City Force Responders, they, they train you up there and if you want to join them, you can join the group and we attach we are going out on emergency calls in with the National Ambulance on cardiac arrest ah yeah but if you just want to know it so that when you're walking around you can come to somebody's aid oh yeah you can you can use it anywhere you want because you'll be certified is there a cost? You know? uh, well it, I think Cox City Responders if you're if you're joining the organisation you'll be on a, a roster for a call out or what have you they, they might do it free of charge you see, but this is, is where the confusion is. If somebody doesn't want to give up their service as a volunteer, but they want yeah, to go they, to somewhere. They can go to um, uh, Willie Donovan's TJ's uh, CPR on Facebook. So the best thing he's I'm a, hearing, the best thing to do is... He's a certified instructor. Okay, but there's no, there is no HSE portal that will direct people mm. to go for a CPR course. No. See what I mean? No. That's like... Okay, so it's it's all about Are Googling you, and finding it for yourself then, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, Willie does it with CPR. If anyone wants to get in contact with Willie, you can contact him on Facebook. All right, okay. Or you okay. can have Rapid CPR, which is Eric Donovan. He's in Ballyville He's another good instructor there uh, for CPR and for state training. And they, I think I spoke to Eric. It. I think I spoke to Eric before, actually. Well, yeah, you probably did. Sure Eric did. is a good instructor there as well, and <laughs> Willie O'Donovan there. Okay, well, no uh, okay uh, what, what I might do is get that list off air and then I can bump it on air again. Can Just before I let you go and we can do that off air, get some of those names and contacts. Have you ever been in a situation where you're just out and about minding your own business and you've seen somebody, adult or child, struggling or in trouble? Yeah, no, I, I, I actually had this uh, last Monday night. I was out um, on... With Street Angels, I do the first aid with Street Angels. Well done. A homeless group. Well done. And we had a, a man there, he wasn't feeling too well. So we had to call an ambulance and what have you. You came to his aid while the ambulance yeah, was coming? exactly. Myself and my colleague Sharon Dwyer Burns. Yeah. What would have happened if you weren't there, if he, if he hadn't well, been with somebody? If he wasn't there, he could have went into a cardiac arrest. Because uh, over the substance that he had taken, you know. Good God, it's amazing how you can save a life, isn't it? Very exactly, yeah. Like, I'd be out every Monday night there with Street Angels there. I do the first aid with them. And another one or two groups there I give my help in hand. You just quietly get on with it. Well done, Anthony. Exactly, yeah. Well done, well done. Thanks for taking the call, pal. Do stay in no touch. No bothers. No, thank you. Take Yesterday care. I spent some time on air listening to stories uh, from the homeless on our streets of Cork. And I, and I was actually referencing the term homeless that we use, which is an inadequate word to use with people living on our streets because there's an awful lot more going on than being just homeless and that's bad enough as it is but a big response to that particularly to um firstly my my interview on air my conversation on air and then Seamus's vox where he spoke with uh, seven or eight different homeless people and, and somebody said to me yesterday 
was amazing what he did because that was probably the first time in a long time that some of these people had actually anybody listening to their story. Uh, the homeless can use the post office as an address to get welfare payment. Did you not know that? No, I didn't know that. And I'm not even sure that that's accurate. Um, you need to have, like, if that were the case, we wouldn't be having these discussions. I'll check it, but that's news to me if you're saying you can give your local post office as a, as a home address. It just doesn't make sense. But anyway, um, the killer with that conversation is that they're lost in the city and not taking or getting the help. This means public spaces like Fitzgerald's Park, the People's Park and Electric, where people want to congregate, end up being dangerous or not fit for people to spend time there without being hassled or the worry about being hassled. At the height of the lockdown, the centre felt dangerous with the only visible people around being those suffering from addiction or homelessness. Uh, Help is especially important, but trust with those in addiction or intoxicate cannot be given freely and people's reactions are understandable when they demonstrate that intimidating behaviour. Can you follow that? Um, that people are slow to give help because they feel that they are um, that those that they want to help probably are may well intimidate them. Um, I don't know what you mean. What centre are you referring to? The centre felt dangerous. You saying Simon? Is it? Uh, why does it always have to be follow ups for the homeless and those in recovery from addiction? It would be like going out for a meal and expecting the staff to cut it up for you and eat the food for you. There is a point in everyone's life, addiction or not, when people must deal with the uncomfortable aspects. In life, says Anthony. I'm a qualified life coach. I would gladly talk to some people in Amanda's situation free of charge. That's Amanda, who's a granny on the streets of Cork. Maybe I could help in a small, small way. Empathetic ear is always the best type of ear, says Barry. I feel so saddened listening to Amanda's story on air, but she said something that really made me think. She said that drugs gave her an escape route from her problem and gave her freedom from those problems. The truth is, Neil, that drugs are what caused her to lose the two roofs over her head. I don't know what it's like to be an addict, thankfully, and I know it's difficult to understand someone else's story until you walk in their shoes, but I don't think giving things for free will teach anyone, anyone, about anything about having a better life. Um, the peop- these people get welfare, but yet they still beg on the streets. Do not give them money because you're paying for their drug and you're paying for their drugs and you're paying for their drink. Stop their welfare and they will have to get a job. Uh, come here, give me a break. Some of them's fortunes couldn't hold on a job. They just couldn't. I mean, they wouldn't have any of the skills. And you know something? Not all of them are getting welfare because not all of them have an address to give for welfare. I agree with the man who owns the tree houses in West Cork. However, accommodations are allowed open for people traveling for essential reasons. This is probably why so much accommodation is available to book uh, ah, yeah, that Airbnb say, you know, <laughs> on the, on the, on the Mar, yeah. Well, you know, we are taking bookings in beautiful West Cork holiday homes, but it's only for essential travel. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Right. Today is Thursday. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Lovely girl down west called Roisin Hurley sent me an email during the week. She's 17 years old. She's off on her own journey now, but it isn't without its trials, tribulations, anxious moments and worry and stress and bullying, I can tell you that. This is a young girl who eventually had to leave school without even getting her leaving cert. And she joins me by phone. She's off and rocking now, but it's been tough and she's been a very resilient young woman. Roisin, good morning. On line one, my apologies. I'm sorry, I got the wrong line. Roisin, there you are now. Morning to you. Morning. Hi. Thank you so much for your email. And then I was Googling a little bit about you and I saw even more about what you went through as a young girl. 
You left school um, two years ago, not having sat your leaving cert. Why? Um, so basically, uh, once I went into secondary school, um, I, w- I made friends, you know, in first year. And throughout uh, the next few months of first year, some of my friends started to say names to me and point out features of my face, you know, not in, not in a nice way, you know. And just from then on, people started to join in and I suffered abuse for that for four years. Um, so then I decided to leave and move to a different school. You were, and these are your own words, not mine, adopted from China as a baby. Yes, that's right. Yes, I was adopted when I was one and I'm fully Irish and I've lived in Ireland my whole life. So I didn't think, um, like I was, I thought I was normal like everybody else, you know, in primary school. Nobody thought to say anything to me, you know. But the minute you hit secondary school, your race became an issue for these bullies. Exactly. That's the only thing that I could talk about. And people would point to me and even... On my last year in school, people started to actually trip me, you know, with their legs and all that. And it was awful. So the first secondary school just started in first year, yeah? Yes. Okay. Um, and it, after only a couple of months, you had enough yeah. of it. And mm-hmm. you wanted to move school. Did you move after a couple of months? Uh, no, you see, um, I was in the first school since first year, and then I moved school in fourth year. So okay, I, I so went the first four few, years the first four years you put up with it, but did were your parents aware of it? Was the principal aware of it? Surely the teachers were picking up on it. Oh yeah, they were completely aware of it, and we tried to get it sorted out. Um, so one one day, a girl came over to me and she said, "Oh, you look like you hit your face with a frying pan. It's so flat." And so I got very upset by that and I told the, the, the year head and she said, OK, well, we'll bring you out, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. So they brought myself and the girl out. What is a year head? Is that a student or a teacher? It's a teacher that takes care of each uh, separate year. OK, go ahead. And so they got us to go out and we just sat down and all she said was, OK, say sorry to each other. And we did, and that was that. They didn't do any. They didn't give any discipline or any teaching. Why did you have to apologize? Because I did say something to her. Because I just I felt like I needed to defend myself. Of course you did. And then she then told the yearhead as well. So we we both had to apologize. And would would that yearhead and others in authority have known that that was not the first time that somebody had said something to you? Oh yes, um, back in the first year, another girl came up to me and then she said, I can F back off to China and put me in a box or something. So my mother came into the school trying to complain, but they did nothing. Um, they just told, they brought her into the office and told her not to do it again. But obviously she continued to do it again. Um, were there other students from other countries and other parts of the world either born here or moved to part, this part of the country? Sorry, what? Well, you know, I mean, you, you are, as I say in, in your email, adopted as a little baby from China. Um, yes. So therefore you had clearly Chinese features, beautiful face, incidentally. But were there other young girls, was it a girls' school? Yes, it was, yeah. Were there other was young the girls country. who were either born here from parents from other parts of the world? Did they get any grief like you did? Um, I'm actually not sure. No one really speaks up about it anymore. It's all swept under the rug. No, but I'm saying, were there other girls from other parts of the world in the school besides you? Oh, yes, yes, there was, yes. Okay. 
And were they targeted in any way? Not that I know of, no. Okay. Okay. So, did the school ever have um, assembly and talk to everybody en masse and say... No, this is not acceptable. This is not tolerated. We have a like, you know, when first years would start that they would have um, an induction where they would give them the policies and the rules and the threats of suspension, you know, none none of that. No, there's no topic on racial bullying or it was just bullying. That's it. There was it's all swept under the rug, I feel. You found that very upsetting, clearly. Yes, I did. How did it make you feel? I just felt like I couldn't do anything by myself anymore and I just I just felt like it was time for me to leave this school because it wasn't doing enough for me. Like I I had no friends left so I'd just sit in my locker in the locker room and I'd eat my lunch there and girls would come in and they'd look at me and laugh at me. You were always on your own as the years went by. Your, your friends deserted you, the ones that you had? Yes, they, they chose sides with the girl that was saying that, those things to me. Was there always one ringleader? Um, yes, there was, yeah. So if this ringleader could have been taken out of the equation, and taken perhaps Absolutely. out of the school, life for you would have been a lot better. Absolutely, that's what I think. And that did not happen? No, it did not. They didn't even take her out after that. And she was a repeat bullier? Yes, she okay. was, yes. And not one friend stood by you? Not one, no. How did the school feel then when you and your folks decided to take you out of it? Um, We didn't really say anything else. We just told them that we're leaving and that was that. I kept it on the down low just before I left, just so no one would find out about it. Were you relieved to leave, thinking things would improve? Yes, I I thought I would get a new start and be able to do and sit my leaving search. So you moved for fifth year, did you? I did, yes, to a different school. How did that go? And it was great for one month. Um, I had friends from outside of school called Froorga, so I thought I'd join their group and everything would be fine. But after, in November of 2019, um, people started calling me out and saying all these racial slurs, you know, the stereotypical ones. And I said, if this keeps happening, I don't think I can sit it. I've been through enough, you know. But it did get worse. It did get worse, yes. Um, Although the school was very, um, they wanted to do something about it, but I just said that if if you take them in, they'll tell everybody and then that'll be the end of it for me anyways. What do you mean by that? So... um, It would make it worse, is it? It would make it worse, yes, because people would still say it because teenagers are teenagers. They don't care what authority says in schools, you know? I'd care if they were suspended or kicked out, though. Yes, but I don't think that would be the the obvious choice for them. I think it would just be a talking to, you know? Yes, but to stand idly by as a school, or in this case, two, dis- difference, two different schools, is tantamount, tantamount in itself to racism and bullying. To do yes. nothing is exactly that. It's tantamount to the crime. Yes, but you see, they wanted to do something and I said, I just, I don't think I can handle that because then I'd have to talk to them, I feel like, and then that would just make everything worse for myself personally. So that's when I decided to leave. So there was more of this F off back to China and descriptions of your yeah. face and your and yes. your facial features. Yeah. 
And to, to, to a young girl, of course, that is a, a very touchy subject anyway. Yeah, very. I just, I feel like I can't really talk about it anymore. I can't go back into that town with the school in there. I can't, I can't just go, I can't go into that town. So you leave the school and the town? Yes. With your I haven't folks? gone back in there since. Did I, did no, you? no. I, I travelled into the town for school, gotcha. but I haven't been to that town since. Okay. So, talk to me about leaving that school. Um, so, in tw- in November 2019, I left school and I decided to... How old were you? I was 16. Okay, go ahead. And I decided to get a part-time job in the city centre and I was working till the end of that 2019 and I worked all through, um, I'll work from home in 2020 and I still work there now, but all, you know, from home because of COVID. And in October 2020, I decided to launch a business called Drift Co. And I'll get to that in a moment, but at 16, you left school without completing your leaving cert. People, you can do that, can you? People don't have to sit a leaving cert, no? I feel like nowadays, you can get into a course without your leaving cert, you know. You can get through back doors, do a, a smaller course, and then build your way up, you know. And your folks, were they okay with this plan? Um, I think they were. You see, I had a very tough time and my mother was so supportive of it. And they felt that it was the best choice for me because it was too much for me, you know. I know, but it's an awful situation to be put in, you know. It really is. I mean, as I was saying there, you're on your own journey now. um, But not everybody would be able to or have the strength or the wherewithal to pick themselves up from a situation that was going on for so long like yours. Mm -hmm. So you got the part-time job um, and were working in that job. What kind of a business were you working in? It was a construction company. Um, I was filing their invoices and dockets. Did you like that? I love it. It's great. It's, you know, it's relaxing and everybody in the workplace is absolutely lovely. So that must have come as a complete change to you then, um, where... People saw you for who you were, treated you respectfully. Yes, it was amazing. Um, it's my favorite thing to do now. I'm missing it so much right now. Um, it's kind of sad, though, that it wasn't that way in school. I know, yeah. And do you ever think as to why young people behave that way? I mean, I, I, I'm amazed that, it's, that it would be, uh, you know... I just feel like would, I'm amazed that it would be a race or a color or um, an ethnic issue with young people. You know, I would have thought they would be the very last to be calling out things like that. Yeah, I, I really have no answer to that. I, I don't understand that myself. I feel like it's 2021. There are different ethnicities all over the place. You know, people should be able to get used to it. Where do they learn it from? Is it something they picked up in the home? I'm not sure. It could, it could be, but it could not be. It could be from the Internet as well. Okay, so then you decided that you were going to set up your own business making and selling custom handmade jewellery, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And where did you develop that talent? Um, So in the summer, I decided to take up a hobby called metal stamping. It's just where you get a hammer and a little metal um, stamp with like any letter and then you can hammer it into the pendant, into the metal, and you can make a necklace out of it. And it, you can customize it however you want, like a name or a date, you know. And this would be bracelets, uh, earrings, rings, necklaces, all sorts of things? Yes, that's right, yeah. Gold? Silver? Uh, 24 carat plated gold. 
Well, I'd be darned. That's the good stuff. <laughs> is it expensive? Uh, no, it's, it's very affordable. My most expensive item is 24 euro, but everything's on sale now. And how's it going for you? It has been amazing. Um, I've sold so many products and I'm so happy and grateful for everybody that supports me. And it's, I've been the happiest I've ever been. And how do you get, are you shipping, are you doing all of the shipping and everything? Yes, I'm, it's by myself. I work from my bedroom and I, I fund, I ship, I make, I advertise everything. And dreakt, that's an Irish word? For magic. So dreaktco.com is the website, D-R-A-I-O-C-H-T-C-O, dreaktco. Yes, that's right. That's amazing. And how long is it running? Since October 2020. And do you hope to branch out and do lots more? I hope so, yes. At the moment, I'm getting a custom shed uh, to make into my work, my workshop. So I'll be going out of my bedroom because it's kind of looking like a factory right now. Was part of this motivated by bullies? Definitely, because I felt like just working wasn't enough. I wanted to do something with my life. You know, not just sit around and do nothing. You know, I just wanted to be able to say I did something and this is now my dream. I don't think you're the kind of girl that will ever work for somebody else. <laughs> do you agree? I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen I've seen what you make. It's fantastic. And I would encourage people to look, check it out and to buy either for themselves or a loved one. And God knows it's an affordable price. It's fantastic, Roisin. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Do stay in touch and let us know how things are going. Of course. And it's, you know, and to some extent, it's two fingers to the bullies, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Mind yourself. Take care. Thank you. Bye. He's lovely. Roisin Hurley. Check out our website, www.dreaktco.com. If you can't, um, you know, follow it right now, then it's up on Twitter. And it's up on our Facebook page as well. And support her. It's a sad story in many aspects, isn't it? But she wasn't one to lie down and just let them roll all over her. Um, she certainly has risen to the challenge. And good luck to her going forward. And you know something? She's in a good place in the online world. Because so much is moving that way. And she's in on the crest of a wave in one regard coming out of COVID when there's been so much demand for people uh, buying stuff uh, online. Drictco.com. Thanks for taking the call, Roisin. Thanks for getting in touch. Back after uh, back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Free Food Friday shout-outs. Morning to everybody at Boots on Half Moon Street, particularly Shauna. They've worked tirelessly during the imposed pandemic. The Casey family are working from home. Little Island Dental Surgery are doing their thing and would love some pizza to brighten up the day and a break in their diet. MB Transport are working hard. Morning, John. Thanks, Karen. Everybody at PMC Commercials in Ballinhasse. Patrick and Jack in particular, nurse on call on Patrick Street, recruiting nurses for the vaccination hubs and staffing the hospitals. They're doing 12-hour days. Morning to you all. Hi, Bernie. Her son, Darren, uh, will be calling with his wife and kids tomorrow after a long stretch of not seeing each other, and they'd love to have pizza for the occasion. Clerical staff at Anglesey Street Garda Station are listening. Sub-Zero Cryotherapy on Grand Parade. Slide Glide and Contemporary Kitchens on the Southside Industrial Estate. Good morning. To everybody at RPC Haulage, to Mark Murphy Motors in Douglas, MJ flood in Little Island. Uh, you have kept me 100% sane. Thank you. I keep others in my life insane. 
laughed out loud, sobbed into my keyboard, had every emotion in the last 13 months. Love the show. Thanks. Oh, you're very kind. Don't know who you are, but thanks for that lovely text. Cork Safety Alerts. Listen every morning. Morning, Patrick. Everybody at Kevin O'Leary Service World on the South Douglas Road. Alter Domus at the airport business park. CB Tool Hire on Tremor Road. Just another few. Doyle Shipping Group in Tivoli. Everybody at Cork Cleaning Solutions in Maryborough Hill. Flat out. Uh, Cupcake Cottage. Cupcake Cottage even on Anglesey Street. Making everybody happy with the cupcakes. All of the staff at Woody's DIY. Percy and all of the staff in the kitchen in St. Luke's Nursing Home in Mahan. We'll do some more shout-outs. Around about 20 past, 25 past 11 this morning and pick some winners. We will have three pizza winners today, uh, three different groups, and you'll get four large pizzas with sides, courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza. Okay, that's the deal. Keep those texts coming. You have uh, another half an hour to text who you are and where you are to 86 Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best, and newest names in Irish music. 104 to 106, Red FM. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Okay, pick up the phone at 1850-104-106. There has been um, uh, some news coming out of court this morning uh, regarding um, the uh, retired businessman David Barry of Bishopstown, the 72-year-old uh, who back in the day was arrested uh, for purpose of charging regarding allegations of uh, historic uh, sexual assault during, in, in, in some cases, I'm told, during um, his activity within, uh, within the Scouts. So this has been before the courts on a number of occasions. Uh, and then there were some additional charges were added on recently there. And, uh, and Dave Barry was back before courts again this morning. But just to fill in the story and to bring us right up to date, Paul Burns, Southern Correspondent with Virgin Media News. Morning, Paul. Good morning, Neil. What court was this? Neil, this is the uh, Circuit Criminal Court sitting in Cork in Washington Street. Uh, this is just breaking now. The court has just finished in the last couple of moments. David Barry, as you said, is uh, 72 years of age, a former scout leader and extremely well-known throughout the city for his involvement in uh, for his photography business, uh, which has since uh, closed, uh, but also, of course, with his uh, activity in the scouting uh, world. David would have been an extremely well-known figure uh, throughout business and scouting. However, um, in December of 2020, last year, uh, Barry was arrested at his home in Bishopstone uh, by Gardaí investigating allegations of sexual assault. Neil, I'm walking as I'm speaking to you because there's uh, lots of developments here in the court throughout the morning. But um, he was arrested as part of an investigation into allegations of sexual assault on uh, former scout members. And today, after that lengthy investigation, he came before the courts where he pleaded guilty to 29 counts of sexual and indecent assault Mm. on dates between 1986 and 2008. Mm. Now, um, the accused, it took around five minutes for the court to read the charges out. Um, Dave Barry stood throughout the uh, hearing today and he replied uh, guilty your honour to each count which was then read out to the courts um, there'll be there's uh, 10 victims in this case sentencing has now since been adjourned until uh, June next June it'll take a considerable period of time that morning because there's 10 complainants and each will want to give a, a victim impact report on now the, one of the stipulations of the judge on this case was that none of them will ever be identified aren't I right 
at this moment in time that they're reporting a restriction uh, identifying any of the, the victims in this case. Yeah, yeah. However, on the day itself, um, all may come together and decide to remain anonymous. All may come out and say we were victims of David Barry, gotcha. but that will not be known until the day itself. Gotcha. But the breaking news, the breaking news is that. Um, he has pleaded guilty to 29 counts of sexual assault um, on 10 former scouts on dates between 1980 and 2008. And could I just ask you, because I know it's busy there at the moment, um, has he been released on bail for sentencing? Is that what happened? That's right. He has been um, released on bail. They're um, getting victim impact reports together as well as psychiatric and uh, medical uh, reports for David Barry, the court chair, that he's not in greatest of health and that these uh, reports would be of assistance to him for the judge when sentencing in next June. At the moment, he's uh, in talks with his uh, solicitor and uh, barrister here in the courts. He hasn't left the building uh, as yet. Okay, thank you for stepping out. Appreciate it. Thank you, Paul Byrne, Southern Correspondent with Virgin Media News. The former scout leader, David Barry from Cork, pleads guilty to 29 counts of sexual assault on dates between 86 and 2008 and is released on bail for sentencing in June. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Rearing children, small babies and all the trials and tribulations that comes with them. And it reminds me actually of some conversations uh, about two weeks ago we were having where um, there was a particular email that came in saying that way too many women were mad to get back to work and others you know, are kind of lording it up with the babies and the buggies and what have you. Do you remember all of that conversation? It prompted a response from Maureen, actually. She says, can I comment, please, on the woman who was mad, that was mad to get back to work six months after having her baby? Although I do agree with her point on the kids having an obesity problem these days due to poor diet and online gaming addictions. That's interesting. Her attitude towards new mums is really what annoyed me. I'm a stay-at-home mum, and I don't know where she got the time to sit around on her arse watching Judge Judy and loose women all day. I've never had time for any of that, I can tell you. In my experience, I forgot the TV even existed after having my new baby. But what I do remember was sleepless nights and aching body parts for a long time afterwards. When I eventually got around to finding the time to even make cups of tea, they all ended up being half drunk because I didn't have time to finish them. Never mind sit in my arse and watch Judge Judy as she suggested. It was mayhem. Although it was a joyous occasion, I couldn't help thinking how this little bundle could create so much fatigue, stress and turbulence in my life. As regards to her comments on letting oneself go... Once my nails were short enough not to scratch my new baby, I was happy. As to my hair, hanging on to it seemed to be an achievement at the time, as I found myself pulling more clumps out of the shower plug as the months went by. Wearing nice clothes? Not my priority either, apart from all the unexpected baby vomit on my clothes. That's what my clothes was receiving attention for. It was more about feeling comfortable for me. My body had been through a lot and I needed to mind it. Tight waistbands and heels, out. Stretchy waistbands and runners, in. It was her attitude about new mothers letting themselves go that as this generation of media-influenced mothers complaining about their belly fat after giving birth... So I say, forget what all the busybodies think of you. You have just created a miracle and a hard time doing so. Your body needs time to heal and your mind needs time to love and bond. This is a precious time in your life. If you blink, you'll miss it. Don't rush. Push the pause button. 
and enjoy all the madness of your beautiful new baby before those moments pass. There'll be plenty of time to concentrate on your hair, your nails, your body toning when your baby is bigger. But for now, take a step back from the rat race and enjoy the experience of letting go. Focus on the new little life you have in your care. And for the record, I don't think my baby robbed me of my identity. They just add to it, if nothing else. So a beautiful response, a rebuttal, if you like, uh, from Moraid by email to neil at uh, redfm.ie. So I have a lot more then on issues regarding maternity visits and babies who stop breathing. But I'm mad keen to talk to Ahmed, if I could, if you don't mind, just before the week gets away from me. Ahmed, good morning. Hello, good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm very well. Now, I know that you're from Tunisia and are living and working here. You describe it mm-hmm. as a tourist city in Tunisia. Where? So basically, I live in Hammamet. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's like my city turned into a resort, basically. We're usually about 67,000, but now it's like we receive millions of, millions of tourists. Because years so, ago, uh, when my kids are very small, we went on two or three different times to a place called Port El Kantawi. Do you know it? That's in Suez, yeah. That's, uh, that's down in the Midlands, on the beach. It's, uh, it's one of the biggest resorts. In, we uh, loved it there. Lovely, is Tunisia yeah. off the tourist trail now? Is it? Is there a bit of disquiet there, or is it? Is it good for tourism? It is. See what they did. Is we usually receive tourists, uh, like you know, tourists from uh, Western Europe, and uh, so now what they did, you know, because of the current situation, and you know, the last few years because of the terrorist attack, and yeah, all, they turned to the uh, Eastern Europeans. And obviously the neighboring countries like Algeria, Libya, and you know all of the petrol. But I was saying because of the the shooting, the mass shootings on the beach. But is it safe now again? Is what I'm asking, I suppose. Oh, it is safe. Yeah, sure, sure. I've been I've been going the last few years, like since since 2015. I've um, I've gone a few years. Um, yeah, it's, it is it is safe enough. To be honest, it's, it's normal. Like I find myself as safe as, as being in Ireland. Um, yeah. <laughs> and how are you managing here? Um, how long have you been? In Ireland, I've been here, I've been here since 2014. Now um, I lived up in Letchkenny, Waterford. Now down in Cork, it's, um, I'm loving it. See, it, it, is, it is home after all. Like so, so this is home for me now. And what brought you here? So uh, I came here obviously for um, you know a better life. It was uh, I never like to be honest. When I was young, I never thought you know coming to Ireland. We we you wouldn't just hear of Ireland. Like you know, it's mainly France that we immigrate to. Gotcha. But then uh, coming here for a visit one day, I was living in the UK. I came here for a visit um, in Tulla, Kenny. People were lovely, so I decided to just <laughs> settle here. It's mainly the people now, to be honest. So Letter Kenny was lovely, but it got a hell of a lot nicer when you came to Cork. Oh, uh, no, uh, actually, Waterford would be my best um, <laughs> county now, to be honest. <laughs> Have you <laughs> lost your mind years, saying that on Cork <laughs> Radio? Have you lost your reason? <laughs> sure, I've been here, living here now for, what, three years, and uh, one and a half years of that, I've been... I've been so what have they got in Waterford? The pint bottle and the blah? Like It's actually, you know, it's, no, I like, again, it's the people. Like, Cork City might be the best city for hanging out and, you know, stuff like this. And all. I heard you had nowhere to go and nothing to do. That was your problem. Oh, no, that's not that's not the problem now. The problem is after certain hours, you know, for, for an average employee, for example, like me. Um, so basically, you know, I, I like, you know, I love the pubs. They're, they're a great fun. Um, I love drinking. I love having a point. But as an average employee who finishes at 6, 7 p.m., you're like, you know, when I finish work, I usually have some energy just, just you know, to meet my mates, like, um, go, you know, meet my friends, basically, for the chat at Chinwag. And, um, yeah, there was nowhere else to go but the pubs, especially in the winter when it's wet or, or like, cold. You need an indoor space. Um, as I said, back home, 
Um, back home, basically, we have cafes that are open until 12. We have climbing walls, places like, you know, there was loads of activities. Here, I find myself half of the time, you're like in a pub drinking just because I have nowhere else to go. There was no shelter. Um, you you know see, I mean? you're talking so, about uh, two different climates, you know, outdoor cafes oh. in Tunisia till midnight. I see them when I'm there in other countries like that. They're playing board games and chess and the kids are up playing. Yeah. Whereas they'd be frozen with the cold or be teeming down with rain here, you see. Sure, that's what I meant. Like, we need more indoor places with um, with uh, indoor activities. You know, like, there is there is this place now by the Roundy, if, uh, if you know it. Uh, you know, you can sit there, play your board games and all. I love that place. I used to go there a lot, actually. You know, you still can have a beer and all, but you're not, uh, you know, it's is not... Is that Dawn only, Square or something? Uh, it's literally by, uh, you know, about two shops. Like, there is the Roundy pub and there is a charity shop. and then Okay, and there's an indoor just, place where you can go for a game of drafts or something. Yeah, you can go for any board game. They have a, a huge selection of it. Like, um, you know, just for a clarification, as I said, you know, I'm not saying being here has not made me a drinker. Like, you know, I've been drinking. Did you drink in, are you drinking Ireland. more? Did you drink in Tunisia? Yeah, see, yeah. But obviously in Ireland, it just made it a lot easier for alcohol to creep into my weekly diet. Like it used to be maybe once a month to go to a nightclub or something, but weekly diet, it increased way faster than I wanted. And uh, I would have labeled it as a total self choice. Obviously, I do have responsibility in this, but it's only fair to say it's 50-50. Okay, um, so are you, you're now, a reasonably young guy, are you? I am, I'm, I'm uh, 30 years of age, yeah. Okay, <clears throat> so if you want to... If you want to curb your drinking and hanging out with the lads and socializing in pubs, I'll give you a tip, will I? Where? Go ahead. Get, <laughs> Please. Get, get married. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, I'm in a relationship now anyway, so, uh, so most of the time... <laughs> well, I, mar- you know, marry her. And all, uh, marry her. All, all, of, all of that will stop. <laughs> I know, I know, but look, no, um, it's a him actually, and marry him like, then. You know, <laughs> see, the best, the best proof is the fact that although with the pandemic and uh, the closure of, of pubs and all, we all found or discovered something that we would uh, would be passionate about. Like you know, now for example, I am hiking more, gardening. We're expanding the house. There is many different characters out there, and many reasons. I'm only, I'm merely saying this, you know, in case there is, um, you know, some listeners who would relate to my situation, like which is I. I, I, I love the pubs, but I find myself in the pub more um, than I want due to not having any indoors. But you've um, had a nice indoors. break from it from the last 12 months now, haven't you? Did you not come up with a different plan, you and your partner? See, yeah, no, we, we, we still have the odd drinks here, here and there, like, you know, when when the restrictions are relaxed as well, we do meet people and all, but we're making sure that alcohol isn't really a weekly um you know habits which 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 did help in fairness now like health wise um financially like i'm saving a lot more money have you are you one of those that's got a bird that's got a, a bulging bank account because of covid are you one of those i actually well i've been working throughout it all so uh, i've been earning the same money i've earned and you can't um, spend it like see i can't spend it but i'm well you know my plan now is to buy a house in spain to be honest so uh <laughs> what i'm doing is uh you yeah. want the warmer weather then is it uh, yeah, see the sun. The sun. The sun has to be uh, has to be there. The sun, uh, so it's about lack of choice. There's nothing wrong with the pub. It's lack of choice. Uh, your drinking has increased since you came to Ireland because much of our socialising is usually done in the pub. And your one. And in fact, I, sadly, was reading that you lost uh, one of your best mates to drink. Is that right? 
I did, yeah. So um, it was. Um, see, it wasn't really um, it, like it, like like people are aware of, 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 of the physical, the financial harm of uh, alcohol. But you know, uh, we are way behind with the mental effects. What I'm saying is, like you know, the direct effects are documented; they're being published. You published numbers not long ago, but the mental side is just ignored. Uh, if anything, we still believe it helps with confidence. You're dead right. Yeah, are, those are statistics we like, never have. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Like you know, like most of my mates are like, yeah, along the work, you you know, have a drink. You're, you're relaxed you'd be much better but uh, we think it is helping but in, like you know in fact it's actually suppressing our feelings like you know if you speak more if you uh, if you learn to talk without being on the, under the influence of alcohol it's just um, you know you reveal what you actually feel and then you would get the help you need um, sooner do you know what I mean so um, yeah. I'm not saying it's directly um, alcohol or anything like you know I know many many people most people actually are well, well aware and they can manage with alcohol quite well but um, yeah, some of us don't know some of us just get um, carried out and just forget about um, their mental health that's yeah, it. I know. And that's why uh, that there will be devastating consequences from all of this COVID um, in other areas of people's lives, their mental health and uh, and also their physical, because there's been an awful lot of hundreds of thousands of cancellations with regards to hospital appointments. Do you do you do, you do any um, DIY gardening, indoors, outdoors, mountain climbing, cycling, walking, running, swimming? None of those involve alcohol? <laughs> I do, I do loads actually, you know, during lunch, for example, I go for a run or uh, I do some, you know, uh, work at home. When the gyms are open, I go to the gym sometimes, you know, like I try to fill my time with as much active, active, um, I, well, activities as I can, you know, uh, just to avoid, uh, you know, drinking or just, you know, being alone. And that's what was, you know, you know, the boredom, it's the feeling of the feeling of the boredom as well. Like you've got to bring um, the want for, um that much drink basically yeah and, and what you're looking for is an option after say 5 or 6pm that doesn't involve pubs certainly yeah you, yeah you know like there is like small cafes now you know it might you know it might sound a bit weird but you know like a great weekend for example back home we used to go to a hammam I know it, it would be weird in Ireland but you know we go to these public baths and all you know you, you have fun um uh, you know, some massage and all. I used to do the same in Cork as well. I used to go to uh, the Kingsley Hotel. Yeah. They, they used to have like a small hammam and all. It used to be great. And they are like, uh, you know, there was many, many activities that you could do for the same amount of money that you were spending on I suppose what you're and, observing you know, is a different society mm-hmm. and different habits and pastimes oh, than, than, than your own, you know? Yeah. See, but I, I, I try to keep my... Um, you know, the way of life or the amount of drink. But then what I'm saying is, you know, the the fact, like the non-availability of uh, indoor places rather than pubs is what made alcohol creep into my life um, a bit more. That's it. Like, you know, I'm not saying, um, obviously, I know it's a different society. I know that we, we go to cafes a lot more, but then we do have the cafes opened um, to late hours as well. But don't so. you think that there is an ever-growing cafe and coffee culture in Ireland? And uh, the mo- there's a lot of the... A lot of the new startups are just that. They're cafes oh, and totally. delis and things like that. Totally, and I, and I love that. Like, you know, there was different, you know, cuisines from all over the world and all, but at the same time as well, if I finish at 7 p.m. and I can't even grab a nice Italian sandwich from the Sicilian cafe, for example, then what's the point, like, you know, because I do work from, you know, a certain, like, well, if I work, I work. Um, I try to grab it during lunch, but then most of the time you can't. Sometimes you want to just sit down, have a grab, and then, you know, chat with a friend. 
you know. Um, so that's what you're talking about, the indoor sit-down chat that isn't necessarily a pub. You can you yeah. can go to a pub without having a drink, you know. See, that's the thing, that's the argument. Like, people might say, oh, yeah, the pub have a range of non-alcoholic. Yeah, they do. You, you could have you know? an alcohol zero. You could have a, as we say in Cork, a mineral, a mineral. Yeah. Neil, let's be honest. It's like taking a child to a sweet shop and then expect them to go for the Buckley's in the corner. You know, they say if they put, they say that if you put a pint of Heineken up in front of you and you put a pint of Heineken Zero up in front of you, you'd never know the difference. They say that. Yeah, for the for the for the first ten minutes. Until then, you you're on a complete different pulse. Let's say one of your friends is actually drinking real, uh, or or you know. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, then that's it. Like you know, you'd be. uh, You'd be lost. Uh, you know, if you, like, you know, if, yeah, like, you know, like I said, like, temptation is much easier than determination. And if you are in the middle of a pub, you just go for it. I, I would just go for it. You can't quit or reduce cigarettes unless you get, you know, you avoid the triggers. That's it. And if yeah. you're, if pub, you're off you the cigarettes, in you don't go into the, yeah, you don't go into the, you don't go out to the smoking area. Yeah. Yeah, it's not yeah. I mean, yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, this this is merely, and like I said, and a lot of uh, our, I, I mean, we do have cinema, and we have the opera house, and the Everyman. We have live music events. We have lots of pubs that, well, you know, White Horse and Balancholic, Collins and Dublin Street. You know, you got the Barras and Clan. You know, see, see, my favourite were, um, I'd say, Charlie's and Sinead, uh Even even midweek, like I was, I used to love going there, just having a point and listening to that music. Uh, you know, and and especially if you're listening to music as well, you won't drink as much. You know, you'll be concentrated on, yeah, on, on the show. Maybe so you should take me anyway. Did, did you ever play bingo? Uh, bingo? Oh yeah! Oh Jesus, I did. Yeah, yeah. Did you enjoy I, it? I got into bingo. I loved it. I love bingo actually. <laughs> Like many people here, it's say, say it's for all people. But then some, some, some of my mates won't go with me to these activities. But <laughs> yeah, it would be an activity for me to try. Actually, just trying to come up with some ideas, you know. Sure, you know, I tried it all, but hopefully, hopefully, um, hopefully, you know, new some 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 new businesses will you will be opening up. As you see, um, you know, most like there was loads of different nationalities in the in Cork City and hopefully they'll bring up some um, and are all of those other who are very much more multinational now I'll let you go in a second Mm -hmm. but do you talk with others who have come here to make it their home and they find that our reliance on the pub is way too high I do uh, yeah yeah, we do are they Uh, saying that as well a few few of our friends actually and a few of our Irish friends even uh, you know from work for example I work in a business where most of us are from different uh you know, backgrounds, there was many, many nationalities. So sometimes, obviously, before COVID, we used to meet at home, we used to, you know, cook food and just meet all together, you know, just for the chinwag, you know, f- food, watch TV or do something, you know, sometimes watch movies, which might be boring or awkward for uh, some of my Irish friends. But no, then, uh, yeah, that is not true. Just, I mean, I know of loads of you know, people who, who get together and watch movies. I mean, my son does yeah. it with his mates, my, do- my daughter with hers. Actually, it's, years ago, fellas would pile out of work and into the pub. Now, fellas at work, and I'm quite sure it's the same with girls, are bringing their gym gear to work and they're going from work to the gym. They're not going to loft pints. <laughs> you know, it's so. It's, it, it, it's it actually is. a great, there is many, many activities. We are, we, are, we are like, you know, going around it. Obviously, you know, we are like, we, everybody's going around it somehow. But uh, yeah, there was loads of activities that you can do like in home with with the friends and all. But it would be great if we had um, you know places where we could just stay uh, indoor. Like obviously, apart from McDonald's, which we can just stay indoors, have gotcha. have have a nice coffee, and just 
just, you know, uh, chat. It's a warm place, a nice. You can just order whatever they have. You know, the business will will still be going as long as you don't... Uh, Get them to... Okay, okay. Uh, but they're, they're not open long enough. That's it, yeah. Okay, uh, okay. There is uh, a wild climbing. Like, uh, there was many of these clubs. There was many small activities around Cork City and all. But you, you see, they close, like, past 6 p.m., that's it. They're all gone. Like, okay. the average employee... Okay. It's like 6, 7 p.m. they finish work. So, okay. Um, Let, this is food for thought. I hope that people pick up on our conversation. I see hopefully. a couple of texts already. He's bang on the money. Nowhere to go other than the pub. And myself and my yeah. husband don't drink. Well, there's no pubs for the moment anyway. So what do you, just final okay. question. When we come out of this complete lockdown and you can do whatever yeah. you want to do, what are you looking forward to? I'm actually, um, like, you know, I'm, I'm dying to go to West Cork, first of all. Um, I was, I was trying to, uh, you know, to rent a house, um, last night. I think, I think I did rent a house for a week or so. But West Cork would be my favorite ever place. Did you manage to find um, somewhere? We did, yeah, we did. Actually, we stayed somewhere last year and, uh, we, we, we just kept the contact and all and, uh, we ended up getting the place. It's lovely. Um, like Union Hall, basically, is one of the, when will that be? In the world. So hopefully, hopefully it will be in July. <laughs> so uh, I'll be down to it in July. Ah, you'll definitely be there in July, for God's sake. Oh, that's it. I'm sure, you know, like you won't care about anything. Beyond the left, beyond the law, like, like I said. I'm going to write and that on a post-it note now. <laughs> Ahmed will definitely be in his holiday home in Union Hall in July. That's it. Everybody's welcome. It's, it's my birthday as well. And no, so... Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll be able to have right. um, okay. a nice summer. Do stay in touch. Listen, have a good weekend. Thanks for taking the call. You too. Thank you Cheers. very much. What do you think of that? Agree, disagree? Text 0868104106. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. And so to the kindness of people, and we do this as often as we can, just random acts of kindness where people come to help as opposed to just walking by or driving by. Gary, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. This is your father-in-law who is uh, mid-80s now, so he was having a walk, was he? Yeah, he'd be 85 in June, Neil. He was just uh, made a dental appointment there in the Ballyvanan area last, or sorry, yesterday around lunchtime, about uh, 1.15, something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, he likes to go for a walk, so he just walked over and he was walking home and uh, he didn't trip or anything. He just kind of lost his balance and um, he had a bad fall kind of uh, outside um, around the little area there. In Ballyvanan? Yeah, yesterday, yeah. and um, there was nobody around. Nobody, there's plenty of people out there jogging and walking and that kind of thing, but this time there was actually nobody there, so... Was he hurt? Um, he was fairly badly hurt, yeah. Uh, good few scratches, a lot of lot of bruises and a lot of blood as well, so he just felt very awkward. He just lost his balance. Oh, no. And um, lovely taxi man um, passed, um, obviously, so he was in distress, and there was a bit of blood and covered in blood and that kind of thing from his fall, so... Um, he got out of the cab, picked him up, um, asked him where he was living, and um, he'd a fare in the taxi already. So um, he asked the person in the taxi, was it okay to bring the, the man home? And uh, I don't know what the man or woman would, but they had no problem with it. So um, he told him where he was living, he brought him home, and he didn't catch his name. And that's kind of the reason I'm getting onto you, really, because we'd like to, I don't know, get him an old bottle of wine or a bottle of whiskey or something, just to say thanks, you know, because uh, he got him home safe and sound, and it was a lovely thing to do, and he was the only person in the area at the time, so... I think he caught his Christian name, did he? He caught his name. His name was Brendan, he said. Um, he didn't catch his surname and um, he didn't catch the taxi company. Ah, no, sure, he had other things on his mind. Yeah, yeah so um, he just... Um, there was a taxi played on the car, right? So he didn't know what company it was. And How did you find out about it? Did your father-in-law call you then and tell you the story or what? Oh, uh, no, I found out when I went home after work. You saw him? Yeah, yeah, I found, found out when I went home after work, he saw me. Well, 
He wasn't in hospitalised or anything. It was just kind of a lot of cuts and bruises and that. But um, the, my mother-in-law bandaged him up and that. He was okay. But um, I suppose just shocked after fall due to his, um, his age and that. You know, he was just a bit distressed. But I just, the reason I'm just contacting yourselves is... Uh, yeah, shocked but very grateful, um, like, yeah. Sat down that taxi driver there and we could uh, get into something just to say thanks, you know? Yeah, I, I have. I took some delivery of some vouchers during the week. So if I find him, I certainly will sort him out. So we know his name as being Brendan. We know that it was Ballyvalan around the Lidl area, you said, at lunchtime yesterday. Around lunchtime yesterday, yeah. So I um, just want to say thanks to him and thanks for getting him home safe. And um, if he is there or if he does get in contact, yeah, I'd like to get him something, you know, just say thanks. Absolutely. Let's see if we can find him. We have good we have good luck with most of these things. So hopefully it will be the same case with this one. Let's see if anybody knows or if it's Brendan himself. Let him get in touch uh, just for a thank you and a little gift. Cheers, Gary. And your father-in-law's okay? I mean, a bit of bruising, probably sore. But yeah, he's all right. Yeah, it was just, um, there was no in the area so um, just want to say thanks that man well done well done Thank Okay. You. cheers Bye. thanks a lot appreciate it if we can track down the taxi driver well and good text 0868104106 if it's you or perhaps you might know who it is can I just say we were dealing earlier on during the week with uh, different topics of conversation on Side, and one of them would, was had to do and I'm quite sure there's still more of them the bar person the barman or the bar woman that you miss um, you know, over the past year and to tell us who they are. And we got a great response to it by text and I was reading out all of those texts and one of it actually featured the Cotton Ball. Do you remember we were chatting then with a the one-man band who goes in and out of the Cotton Ball and loves the staff there? Well, the Cotton Ball were listening. Um, they don't, don't want to come on air or anything. They're, you know, shy in that regard but they're doing a booming business. Not just the Cotton Ball itself in Mayfield but also they have a brewing company the Cotton Ball Brewery. Now, I know Benny is doing the business down around the Cold K with the Rising Sun, but so are the Cotton Ball. And they sent me out some packs of uh, their various beers. Um, Lynch's Handcraft Stout, Indian Summer Beer, Kerry Lane Pale Ale, and Mayfield 5 Pilsner Lager. Um, and it's going very well for them. And it, it was all started a long, long time ago and has been run multi-generationally by the Lynch family, right? But the first one of them was a fellow by the name of Humphrey J. Lynch. Humphrey J. Lynch, their great-granddad. And they said on the back of the box of the beer they sent out to me, we're brewing our beers in the true spirit of our great-grandfather Humphrey J. Lynch, an American Civil War veteran and cotton mill foreman. Three wives later, Humphrey returned to his native Cork in 1874 to set up his very own public house called the Cotton Ball. The Cotton Ball is still here today and three generations later, we are finally brewing our very own selection of craft beers in his honour. So here's to Humphrey, they say. And I now know a lot more about the Cotton Ball and the fact that they're brewing beer. But I also know the reason why it's called the Cotton Ball. It is because of their great-grandfather, Humphrey J. Lynch, an American Civil War veteran and a cotton mill foreman. Hence, the Cotton Ball. You learn something new every day. Okay, and they also sent me on some vouchers to give away. They have Thompson's Restaurant and microbrewery on McCurtain Street. See how well they're doing? It's located in the old Thompson's Bakery building. And you can sample everything from their house-fermented chili-sauced-up chicken wings to nachos and pizzas and burgers and juicy rotisserie chicken. And they also do an amazing raspberry Swiss roll and a bread-and-butter pudding. That's as cork as it comes, the Swiss roll and the bread-and-butter pudding. So it was great to do a bit of little research and nostalgia into the cotton ball. Thank you for the vouchers, lads. I'll give them away 
pretty soon. And staying on Cork businesses, I'd take an awful lot of pride in Cork businesses that are doing well. And we had all sorts of Cork businesses winning at the CBA virtual online Zoom dinner last Saturday night. And that was terrific. But I also mentioned about um, other awards that were going on in the past seven days. And that was um, the Drink and Food National Awards. Um, and I told you about the company Kinsale Mead, who won the Drink of the Year from the Irish Food Writers Guild. I think on Lee's side, we won maybe four or five different awards, and amongst them was Kinsale Mead. Just a quick chat to Dennis, and I, I know I gave them a shout-out on the air, and they were delighted with that. Dennis, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Good story, that, about the cotton ball, isn't it? It is, yeah. I actually know the guys. I used to, we used to meet them at the Cork Summer Show before COVID at the... Um, at the summer show yeah. in the drinks uh, tent. Yeah, we'll have all of those great days again. But it's always great to go into the story behind the business or the reason they're doing what they do and how it all started. And I suppose to some extent, the, the history of your business is the actual drink itself because it's an ancient drink, isn't it? Mead? It is, yeah, uh, Neil. It's, um, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's global origin goes back probably several thousand years to the Far East. Um, it's supposed to be the oldest alcohol in the world. Um, in Ireland, it goes back probably to maybe the 5th century. It's, um, you know, uh, people often think of, of, of mead and the monks, and, and it is to some degree associated I with... I always uh, thought of monks or Robin Hood or a medieval drink, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and it, it, it is, um, I mean, it, that is kind of factually correct. I, I mean, some of the earliest stories about mead in Ireland and, and honey, they go hand in hand, of course, because mead is fermented from honey, Um it goes back to the likes of St. Malaga in Timaleague, who's associated with bringing honeybees to Ireland. And you probably um, heard of St. Governor in Balagurni as well. And she's, she's our patron saint of bees and beekeepers. So, so lots of sort of stories from the 5th century onwards um, when, when honey was very precious. And they used to basically ferment um, some of our honey into alcohol. And the honey fermented becomes mead. What does it What does it taste like? You're going to say alcoholic honey, I suppose, are you? Um, <laughs> it's um, it's it's uh, it's. I guess the closest would be to wine. I mean, there are different styles of mead you'll see in different parts of the world. In Ireland, we think historically ours was closer to an off dry or dry. So, so even though it starts as a, as a, a mix of honey and water, and you're adding a yeast to convert the sugars in the honey into alcohol you're fermenting almost all the sugars out. So it actually goes from a very sweet mix at the start to by the time it's fermented, um, it's, um, you know, it's almost dry. So it would be closer to a wine in style. Oh, and right. also, um, a yeah. sweet wine. No, actually, um, ours are, are more off-dry, so we let it ferment all the way down to maybe the last 1% of sugar. And what would you drink it with, then? Is it an aperitif, or is it with a meal, or, or what? What would uh, it pair with? Really, uh, yeah, I mean, very much food. I, I, historically, we would have had it with all kinds of food, because it would have been our drink for, you know, if you think the 6th, 6th, 7th century, we, we would have had a lot of game dishes. Um, I mean, one of, the, one of the styles of me that we do that was historic as well, was was a wine of the berry. So as well as fermenting with the honey, you added in blackberries, blackcurrants, strawberries, different local berries, and you fermented that into a, not unlike a, a wine, but it was much lighter and fruitier. And do and you, you with uh, you do know black with with uh, roast, you know um, venison stuff like that? Heavier dishes. Do you use an ancient recipe then? Um, uh, it's. In terms of the, the mix, yes, very much. Um, I mean, most of the techniques we're using now because of things like sanitation and cleanliness 
are, are, are from the wine, um, you know, the wine industry. Most yeah, of our yeah, a lot more clinical, you know, I suppose, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and most of our equipment would be very similar to, if you, if you ever went into a small winery in France or Spain, we'd look very much like a winery, except instead of using grapes, we've got honey and fruit. Are the bees not under pressure now, though? They are very much, actually, in fact, I mean, Ireland, this is one of the things when we started off and we went looking for Irish honey to use in our meads, we found them um, precious little. We, we, the last time I saw the numbers, we were something like the third lowest in, in Europe for honey um, production, just ahead of the likes of Luxembourg and Malta. Um, I mean, we do um, we do one of our meads with, um, there's a brilliant beekeeper down in Clonakilty, Paul Kelly of the, the famous Kelly family musician clan. Right, I didn't know that. Yeah, and he has. Um, they're Germans, has, uh, aren't they? Well, they're they're a whole mix of nationalities. I, I mean, Paul is a, a fluent Irish speaker and very much, um, you know, very much Irish. Um, but he has about, I think, forty hives, and we, uh, you know, uh, West Cork honey is a beautiful mix of of hawthorn from May, June, blackberry blossom in June, July, and then you'll pick up some clover as well. So it's it's a wildflower honey, and we we make a lovely mead. Um, with Paul's honey, every we started every September, and then we let it mature through the winter, um, and um, ready to bottle it around. We just bottled it the last year's batch, actually, with Paul's honey this year. So, um, but it is, um, you know, Irish honey is is uh, relatively rare. Actually, most of the honey we consume in Ireland wouldn't be Irish at all. I get I get honey regularly. Isn't there? Isn't it a family called Healy's? Isn't it? Healy's honey. Yeah, I think they're in uh, Ballin College. Yeah. Unbelievable, honey. I mean, you you know, you pay a couple of extra bob for it, but they say that you should buy good honey, not not cheap stuff or blended honey, and you should always try and buy honey from bees within your own locality. Is 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 that true? Yeah, I mean, there is a part of the is, is that you know the the pollen that the, you know the bees may be picking up and collecting is the same kind of pollen you might be inhaling, um, and there's a chance that in that, that that will you know help build up your uh, you know um, allergy prevention. Um, but also, I suppose you know it's always good just to find your local beekeeper down the road, and and you know, or you'll find them at farmers markets or, or things like neighbour food, um, and pick up a, a jar of your you know or a couple of pots of your local honey. Good to win a good to win an award in fairness. Who what kind of competition did you beat off? Was it other um, types of drinks? Yeah, I mean I guess they, they pick one drink across a range of drinks, you know, whiskeys, beers, um, liqueurs, uh not too many wines in Ireland. But um, yeah, we were delighted and really surprised. But um it, it's good because I guess, you know, mead is is very much we're the first to make is commercially in a couple of hundred years. So it, it's good to, to sort of have the food writers um, you know, kind of pick us out and, and recognize that we're trying to make really good um, mead. You know, the mead, the mead uh, that we won the award for actually is um, is a barrel aged mead, and that's again another historic kind of form of mead where the last mead we in Ireland was about back in the 1820s, and they used to put their um, mead into oak barrels. You know, that, so that you has- revived an ancient, dying, or perhaps dead tradition. Uh, dead in Ireland, probably from a commercial point of view. That's I mean, fantastic. you do see pockets of of mead around the world. Places. No, I'm talking about here, where it would have been very much synonymous over a thousand years ago, or seven, eight hundred years ago, and it's back now with the, you know, with the help yeah, of your good self. Is the market international or is it local? Uh, it's. Um, I mean, we sell most of ours local. Actually, we do a little bit in the UK as well. Um, but is it expensive? I mean, I'd be encouraging people instead when you're visiting people next time, don't bring them a, bring them a bottle of wine, bring them a bottle of Kinsale mead. How much would it set you back? 
Um, generally, twenty-two euros is, is the price for our main meat. Yeah, but so you're not going to good bottle of wine. Yeah, but it's also you're not going to drink it all in the one night either. Like it's there for a lot longer no, than no, just no. on the table for a night. Listen, I just wanted to congratulate you because it's good to accentuate the positive. Kinsale Mead Co. Ie, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, Neil. Yeah, and I imagine you're probably sold in off licenses in supermarkets as well as yeah, online. Yeah, in places like Bradley's and Bubble Brothers, and um, you know, in, in the city, and then you know, um, Ooh and Band and Organico and Bantry, and and Super Value have been fantastic as well through their. Um, food academy program for you know that that they support a lot of um, startup businesses with local businesses. Um, they've been brilliant. Um, Congratulations so, again, as I say, it's great to hear the news. Delighted for you. Thanks great. so much Thanks for taking the call, you. Dennis. Take care. All the best. Back after the break on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. A lot of ground to cover, including one final batch of shoutouts and then some free food Friday winners. Pizza on the way from Oak Fire Pizza. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. Oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Red FM. We're going out on a bit of the Bay City Rollers this morning, and I know that Colin O'Sullivan is going to be so excited as a big fan of the Tartan Army back in the day. He joins me by phone as part of the Big Rebel Sleep Up Sleep Out, which is happening this weekend morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm, out, I'm buying a new car at the moment, right? And I'm going to yeah. different car showrooms looking at cars, petrol, diesel, electric cars. They all know you. <laughs> Every one of them. And they say, you're Neil from the radio. I know Colin O'Sullivan. I know Colin O'Sullivan. <laughs> I must have a lot of friends who are car dealers, Neil. <laughs> it seems that way. You're in good company. Well, anyway. They're all looking after you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to wait and see. They're all too thick and dear for a miserable person like me. But anyway, the big rebels sleep out this weekend for Focus Ireland. What's up? Yeah, this is um, their annual event they do in Cork every year, Neil. They, they have a national one as well, which is the Shine a Light Night. And uh, it's, a, it's a sleep out where people would traditionally sleep outdoors, like like um, anywhere of different locations. Myself and Philip Burke did it a couple of years ago up in the old Cork City Jail, along with loads of people. And we slept out in the wind and the rain all night. Don't think I actually got much sleep, but uh, I think I might have got a, a 40 winks with the rain falling on my face. That's right. But um, then last year, they, they kind of they, they normally do a Cork one as well, which is the big rebel sleep out. And that's done in the Cork City FC training ground but obviously it's on this time every year last year lockdown had just hit they said what do we do we can't have a, a big gathering of people here in the training ground so we do a virtual event and they were kind of wondering how this would go and it went really really well last year so they encouraged people last year to sleep instead of sleeping out at a, at a location together doing it in their own homes so they could sleep on their couch in their living room or maybe do a property and go out and sleep in the back garden or set up a tent a lot of people made an occasion of it families and so on and set up tents out in the garden and so on so again this year we didn't think we'd have to do two years in a row, but they are doing it two years in a row virtually. And it's virtually again tomorrow night for the Big Rebel Sleepout. So what we want and what Focus Ireland want is people to register online, focusireland.ie, and uh, do a sleepout tomorrow night. Be it, as I said, on your couch in your living room, or if you want to make make a bit of fun out of it, set up a tent in the back garden, or go and sleep under a tree in your garden or something. And hopefully, fingers crossed, the weather stays half decent as well as it has been all week, Neil. And it's also part of what we're doing at the radio station is an association with Cork City Football Club, right? Yeah, it is in association with Cork City FC. So that's what I'm saying is normally they'd have it at the training ground, Cork yeah. City FC's training ground at Bishopstown. Um, so they, they can't do that, obviously. So so it's virtual. So some of the Cork City players and staff 
are going to be doing this in their own homes as well tomorrow night. How can people donate? Because it's about raising funds ultimately, isn't it? It is, of course. It's all about raising funds for, for the great work Focus do um, in Cork. And they do, Neil, I've been chatting to some people um, during the week who suffered from addiction issues and who were homeless. But Focus have totally, I mean, really, really totally turned their lives around. Uh, they've got them homes. They've got them back with their families. Uh, and they've got them into college and everything. They, they've done wonderful things for people in Cork. But it all costs money to put them into houses and to put them into homes and so on. So Focus Ireland. If you go on there, you can register to do the sleep out tomorrow night, raise some funds. A lot of people are setting up uh, Just Giving and GoFundMe pages and so on as well. So it's not too late. If you want to do it tomorrow night, if you want to have a bit of fun, do it with a few family members at home uh, or maybe housemates or so on. Good you stuff. can do it. You just have to do it on your couch in your living room. Make, make a video of it. Have a bit of crack with it. You know, you can stay up with your mates all night, uh, do this and raise money. And we'll be sharing the stories and the photographs as well for on Facebook and Instagram. And it's Absolutely. all going for focusireland.ie forward slash donate donate exactly and uh, I'm hosting a little event for them online tomorrow night as well so you can check that out we'll share it on our social as well tomorrow night and we have a lot of people on there telling various stories about how they've dealt with yeah, sorry. you'll have a dry night tomorrow there. night in the back garden yeah. with the tent that'll be on the Red FM Facebook page tomorrow night as well cheers pal take care of yourself as always cheers, much yeah. obliged Conor Sullivan. as I say the weather would be good temperatures might be down a little bit but you won't be rained out of it you know the back garden with the tent be nice and cosy in the sleeping bag some final shout outs for you for a free food Friday to the Golden Years Care Service to everybody at SIAC Roofing and Cladding and Wilton to Planning and Design Consultants in Kildina near Glenville the O'Learys to Countrywide Drains and Dripsy who are listening to the staff of the ED Department and the Mercy to DPD to Little Island Transport in Tivoli to Rath Peak and Fireplaces to City Dwell Construction and Farron Ferris Northside Tires all of the gang at Cork Distribution Services REA O'Donoghue Clark Auctioneers the SMA African Minister Ministry uh, on the Black Rock Road, Three Fools Coffee Cube on the Grand Parade, Maguire Suite at St. Luke's Home, Cork Auto Repairs, Wise Tech Solutions, Dublin Hill, the staff in Dunn Stores in Douglas. But we have three winners this week again, and all of you will receive three pizzas each, large pizza vouchers with sides, courtesy of ourselves an Oak Fire Pizza. So my husband and I are working from home today. Hopefully we'll be back in the office soon. This is the big barbecue for the kids at the weekend, so they won't have to put up with burnt sausages. So we got some pizza for Clara in Douglas. Also for Reynolds Logistics in Little Island, some Oak Fire Pizza for you. To everybody at Stephen Heffernan Electrical, they're texting week in, week out, and they want some food. They're starving, so pizza for Stephen Heffernan Electrical. And also for Dawn Vadera in Carrigaline, who I promised some pizza earlier in the week. You're sorted as well. So that's Free Food Friday uh, for this week. Um, the Rebel Sleepout also, Glenn Murphy in Donamore is doing the sleepout tomorrow night, and he's already raised €1,000 in three days. He's putting an awful lot of work into it. But last bit of business this morning, I told you that Les McKeown died, Bay City Roller, at the age of 65, and I asked you to choose the Bay City Roller song that we would play out with this morning, and we had lots and lots of texts on it, so this should bring you back. Uh, we tabulated all of the texts, and this was the most chosen roller song. Have a listen. A couple of seconds. What do you think it is? What do you think it is? Huh? If you hate me after all I say Bye-bye, Les McKeown of the Bay City Rollers. Happy days. Roller mania. Uh, one final, well, two final requests. Happy birthday to Elaine McGrath, the best pharmacist and palancholic from all of your friends. And also, please, Richie says, my sister turns 50 today. And to be honest, she's had a tough year. Our mother recently was diagnosed with dementia, brought on early and, sadly, accelerated by being stuck indoors. My sister left her job uh, that she trained so hard for five or six years ago in childcare to look after our mum. My humble request 
was just, if we could get a happy birthday shout out on the show Friday, we'd be so grateful. She really does appreciate the small things in life. Happy to do that, Richie, my friend, uh, for your sister, whose name I don't know, incidentally, because you don't tell me, but that doesn't take from the love you have for her and for your mom as well. So happy birthday to your sister who turns 50 today. Enjoy the weekend, guys. Talk to you Monday. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.